This program contains mature subject matter. Including maladjusted youth, masochistic hillbillies, and the excitement of the price is right. It may be deemed inappropriate for our younger viewers. Viewer discretion advised. I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. I'll give you a choice. I could put on these glasses or start eating that trash can. You maniacs! What is a man? When we are successful, we will be. We have a real chance to get The pandemic has radically changed the world as we know it. And the actions we take today as we work to recover will define our generation. Now oh, is the time to think what history would say about this crisis. 2020 has been challenging on a lot of levels, as economic, environmental and societal frailties have been laid bare. But it's also proved that when we need to, we can act rapidly and restructure our lives. Recovery from the pandemic is an opportunity. We can see rays of hope in the form of a vaccine, but there is no vaccine for the planet. Nature needs a bailout. You don't want to go back to the status quo that you had before simply because it was the status quo that got us here. With everything falling apart, we can reshape the world in ways we couldn't before. Ways that better address so many of the challenges we face. And that's why so many are calling for a great reset. A great reset? That sounds more like buzzword bingo masking some nefarious plan for world domination. Hands up. This kind of slogan hasn't gone down well. But all we really want to say is that we all have an opportunity to build a better world. And it's not surprising that people who've been disenfranchised by a broken system and pushed even further by the pandemic will suspect global leaders of conspiracy. But the world's not that simple. Every one of us has differing priorities, values, and ideas. That's part of why solutions are so hard to come by and why we all need to be involved in the decision-making. Because whether it's politicians, CEOs, academics, activists, or you, we're all about getting people together, even those you may not like, to sit down at the table and develop solutions that work for all of us. But... Having enormous trust between the private sector and the public sector for this to actually work. That trust is hard to come by. It's time for people to work together, listen to each other, and build this trust so we can move towards a better world. And we really need one. Because while the pandemic affects us all, it's clear it affects some more than others. The first people who are hit are the people at the front, those who are vulnerable. It is those on the front line who take it first. And that is simply unacceptable. See, at the start of 2020, 1% of the world's population owned 44% of the wealth. And since the start of the pandemic, billionaires have increased theirs by more than 25%, whilst 150 million people fell back into extreme poverty. 
And with climate change set to dwarf the damage caused by the pandemic, the message from 2020 should be abundantly clear. Capitalism as we know it is dead. This obsession that we have had with maximizing profits for shareholders alone has led to incredible inequality and a planetary emergency. But no one can do this alone. And top-down approaches won't get us anywhere. Because everything we've learned in our work has shown us that diverse voices lead to better results. And it's for these reasons that the forum talks about something called stakeholder capitalism, which would shift businesses away from just profit. Because if we want to change where the focus of our recovery will go, then we need a new dashboard for the new economy. And that needs to encompass people, planet, prosperity and institutions. Giving people a real stake in the economy and putting well-being before growth. And that's all about getting the right people in the right place at the right time. We must rebuild our relationship with nature for the survival of the peoples and our planet. We have a window of time which is closing and we need everybody who cares to get together and find solutions now. It's the people who have great ideas and who share them with others. They're the ones who are shaping the future. So if you want to be a part of the change, then tune in, turn on and get involved. Follow the Davos Agenda right here, online, on YouTube. What the fuck was that? This is Behind the Schemes, episode 31 for January 27th. That's a that's quite the video you found there, Malachi. Wow. There's a very interesting story behind that. I just like at a random minute after lunch, I didn't didn't look at the news much today or yesterday, but I hit up just scanned by Breitbart and it was right the first thing right there. And then I clicked to the YouTube link off of that and went and started watching it. Went right back to Breitbart and it was gone. It's not on Breitbart anymore. And I just checked, and it's still not there. Holy shit! I wonder why? Yeah, I wonder. You mean the? You mean, hold on, hold on. You mean the link or the video? This story. The story was just gone. The entire story with the link, the video, and everything. It's not. Well, maybe they didn't want to promote it. Maybe not. Yeah, I don't know. But I mean, the, it was a it was a big headline on there that was like um, that said what it said in there it was like. Uh, it sounds like it's a you know a nefarious group of world leaders trying or trying to get global domination or whatever it was they said. And then Did it's you like in the, in the video, yeah, when it said you trust us in the video, it, it's got even that logo for obey. Did you notice that in the video? In your face. Well, we they did. put all the popular iconic stuff in there, and they're just like, this is what you may think it is, but it's not. And it's exactly what you think it is. Uh, well, we do have a full house for tonight. We are back to finish off Plandemic Indoctrination. And uh, we have Monty and Malachi and Booberry here tonight. And once again, we are joined by the formidable Atlas agent. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me back. Hell hey. yes. The, I do really appreciate uh, the They Live. That really ties the whole uh, symbology of the video together. There was something at the end that made me think of a quote by Timothy Leary, the to, uh, turn on, tune in and drop out. I thought that was a nice little call back there. Whether or not, you know, one of the <laughs> forerunners of acid was part of the CIA. That's still to be determined, I suppose. 
It just the one thing about that video that drives me crazy is that when they said capitalism as we know it is dead, but it's just a bunch of billionaires getting together telling you how the world should work and yes. how did they get to be in that position? Hmm. You can do the math and figure it out. So it's just it's like LeBron James and Michael incredible. Jordan and Patrick Ewing getting together and going, basketball as we know it is dead. <laughs> I mean, and part of, I mean, you can get, this is a different subject matter, but all the pollution that comes from traveling and all those people travel all the time. I mean, it's just, do as I say, not as I do. It's what I don't like about it. There's a lot of that in regards to COVID. I'll tell you what rules for thee, but not for me going on. Yeah. So, um, do y'all want to jump back into it? You know, where, where, where did we leave off there? Mr. Booberry? Well, last, uh, last we talked about was power hungry people controlling the narrative, the so-called mockingbirds. Uh, we did some Mickey Willis, uh, explaining how the CIA infiltrated the media outlets and, uh, how Anderson Pooper, um, may or may not be some sort of weird esoteric agent of chaos for said CIA. Um, you know, I was thinking, I don't re quite remember what they were saying for clip number 22 here. It's the federal communications act of 1996. So uh, I Oh yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. So how do we know that operation mockingbird still isn't in effect? Well, we don't. It was the Telecommunications Act of 1996 that opened the door for predatory corporations to monopolize the industries of print and broadcast. This bill protects consumers against monopolies. It guarantees the diversity of voices. Today, a handful of corporate empires own and control the vast majority of everything you read, hear, and watch. From the biggest movie studios, television and radio networks, newspapers and magazines, to the vast universe of internet news and entertainment sites. M5M. I think one thing about this clip, one thing about this clip that's really important, I tried to go back and I looked at a lot of Wikipedia entries against all these clips and these things they bring up. And one of the things they bring up about the that act, the Federal Communication Act from 96, and that was Bill Clinton talking about introducing it. Um, Wikipedia says the bill was designed to protect the consumer from, you know, corporations taking over, but it had the reverse effect. So again, it, I'd love to get everybody else's thoughts, but it speaks to this movie was attacked and was banned, but this is another clip and point that they bring up that is true because it has been abused and used for corporations to take advantage, whatever loopholes it is. I'm not an expert in that area, but it's not disputed on Wikipedia that this has not ended up to be nefarious or not nefarious, but ended up to be taken advantage of. But well, uh, it's, (laughs) it's dangerous information and you can't let it get out. Don't want people gathering in bars being like, Hey, did you see that new indoctrination movie? It's pretty fucking crazy, right? I mean, that's how that's how the fucking revolution started. That's when they say, "Well, it's, it's mostly false." <laughs> it's they're, partially, they're partially true. <clears throat> Need a good baseless clip, ISO jingle, <laughs> and we could just play. Uh, what's that Metallica album? Injustice for all. Absolutely. <laughs> sums well, it up. Track number two. But you know what's funny is, uh, well, yeah. Well, they talk about uh, the climate change and on that album too, so that's interesting. Oh well. 
Um, so what do we, uh, what do we have coming up next is it's a uh, clip 23 and it's how the media is targeting whistleblowers. It seems, um, comedy show owns the same stations, mock and target whistleblowers. So here's clip 23. So one, one thing before we play the clip real quick, just the context is, uh, it's basically saying that the same stations and companies own all these comedy shows. And so they all have the same uh, script or narrative when they try to smear or take somebody down, you know, or whistleblower or whatever it is. And the clip goes over an example of that. Oh, it's yeah. the, uh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. It was, it's patently clear now, you know, it's, it used to be uh, the argument is like, you know, you're just, it's not, their media is not that biased or anything like that, but man, it is you know, over the past four years, you know, the veil has been lifted and, uh, and it's hard. If you read Dvorak's article where he talks about how Trump lost and he talks about the media campaign, no matter how you feel about it and who you want to win, the media campaign was blatantly obvious. I mean, and whether that's right or wrong is to be decided, but I'm just saying it was blatantly coordinated and obvious. It was so blatant that they could be, um, you know, collaborators in hiding child porn crimes of Hunter Biden, you know, and that the FBI has this fucking laptop that they're all talking about, you know, I think what will happen with that is it'll, uh, if, if it does come out and, and it is what everybody thinks it is or says it is or whatever, it'll come out at a time when they're okay with it coming out as opposed to it was obviously inconvenient for it to be coming out at that time. We should uh, we should start a running bet. What's going to get disclosed first, Hunter Biden's laptop or aliens? Aliens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I mean, have to you have to ask Fox Mulder and see what he says. What would it be Slee Stacks or Hunter Biden's, uh, you know, computer Slee Stacks that will be uh, released first? <laughs> Slee Stacks or Sleazy Stacks? Yeah. Oh, that was a bit of a stretch. All right, so clip number twenty three. News personalities are not the only high-paid actors to serve the propaganda machine. Most late-night talk shows are owned by the same corporate overlords and thus follow the same script, only laced with a laugh. Our main story tonight concerns conspiracy theories. Last week tonight with John Oliver featured a skit entitled Coronavirus Conspiracy Theories. It's like the claim that the moon landing was faked. First thing to note here is that Mr. Oliver opens with commentary about conspiracy theories that are completely unrelated to coronavirus. This is a standard tactic used by propagandists to set a tone so that anything that follows will be seen through the lens of absurdity. Plandemic, a pseudo-documentary filled with a hodgepodge of conspiracy theories. Mr. Oliver then does his best to debunk Dr. Judy's claim that she was arrested but never charged with a crime. She was absolutely criminally charged. This was not an oversight, but a blatant lie. Prior to the taping of this episode, Mr. Oliver had the official arrest documents that clearly proved that Dr. Judy was never charged with a crime. Mr. Oliver then attempts to debunk the idea that a beach, a.k.a. nature, holds any value in boosting our body's natural immune system. Instead of challenging the point with science, he kills it with a smear. Everything that you just said is insane. (laughs) He used to be a pretty big fan of uh, John Oliver, but that's quickly went away. Not quickly. I have to say one thing about it is uh, if you look on Wikipedia for pandemic indoctrination, you know, and it says it's a pseudo documentary, fake, blah, blah, blah. 
one of the things that it says on there, there's a claim in the movie that sand will cure coronavirus. So that's one reason why I put this clip in there, because you, you remember the one part that was in this clip where it says uh, something about the beach, you know, staying away from the beach or whatever, which is something that we need. I forgot what exactly what he said in there, but that's the context they pulled out of that uh, comedy clip. What is that guy's name? John Oliver show, whatever it is. Yeah. John yeah. Oliver. Mm-hmm. yeah. He, and um, so in Wikipedia, it says the movie claims that sand will cure coronavirus, but it's nothing to do with what was said in that clip. I mean, it, I, I don't, I don't, and see, it, it's just, that's the kind of stuff where you look at that and you're like, I can understand if you, again, we said that before, I can understand if you disagree with the movie or you don't agree with what the, the narrative is, but that's not what it says in the movie. So it's actually a lie that they have on Wikipedia. Here's an interesting thought. This tells me that John Oliver's writers disagree and try to disapprove the curative nature of beaches. They don't believe in it. They're like they they obviously find no comfort or sense of health from hopping in the ocean or ba- uh, basking in the sand. Vitamin D is a thing. Yeah, yeah. It does exist. Totally. And and relaxation and, and you know having a good time and being happy it it can psychologically make a huge impact on you. And they say you're when your immune system breaks down more when you're stressed and angry and all that kind of stuff. So, but so they take the context out of that because he's trying to say keeping people away from the beach, you know, they, they equate that on Wikipedia to um, sand cures coronavirus. So I wonder who wrote that entry. And I wonder if you can even edit the pandemic uh, entry in Wikipedia now. I'm not trying to go down a rabbit hole, but I remember how they were talking about like Judy Makovitz can't even update her own profile now. I would be surprised if you could, if they could edit it, you know, Wikipedia Go ahead. Sorry. I wonder if it's some sort of uh, verified Wikipedia moderator edit, uh, editor 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 editor. Someone that has to be verified. You got to call it dude from Snopes and be like, "Hey man, can I can I go on Wikipedia and make an update to the pandemic?" No, it's not for everybody. It's only for certain people. But but that's not. Well, why do you keep asking me to donate then? If it's an open source, it's not. It's a controlled ecosystem. It's crazy. Yeah, the guy from Snopes would be like, "You got some hookers, man? I'll let you. I'll let you edit it." (laughs) (laughs) Some hookers. I like hookers. That's a that's that's some expensive edits. See, that's the thing. And again, I know I keep I'm trying not to repeat myself too much, but I think it's important if people are listening and all that. The goal, in my opinion, when you talk about this movie, is not to convince people. Everything that they say is exactly what's going to happen or is true. It's to call out and support that they are being attacked and they're being lied about, especially like when you look on Wikipedia and the sand cures coronavirus stuff. It's ridiculous. Now, it's embarrassing. There is verifiable proof that they that they they showed us in California, uh, April, where they were taking those bulldozers and pushing all the sand into the skate parts. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I mean, that uh, that obviously meant that the sand was in a position to prevent kids from skate skating. And because they weren't able to skate, they didn't catch COVID. That's that's how they did it. <laughs> you, you, just supported, COVID. You, just, you just supported both sides. That's very creative. That's really good. <laughs> you very did it. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we're here to do. We go behind the schemes and figure out what's really happening. <laughs> we find the truth. I can tell you, I can tell you at a skate park, 
everybody's standing right beside each other. Not, I mean, they're six feet apart. That's one of the best places you could go to that you wouldn't spread it. Yeah, all that wind. You're supposed to be six feet apart. I mean, that's crazy. I don't know. We used to remember when we used to make human pyramids on our skateboards and drop in while we're all on each other's shoulders and ride like that. That that, that could be a super spreader type event. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Okay, that was that was the only clip from that section. But that that section, well, I, I thought it was interesting. The other point they brought up, I didn't clip it, <clears throat> was uh, the fact that these uh, comedy shows, again, they're all in alignment and they all have the same uh, attack mechanism when they have somebody in the media that they're trying to target like that. Obviously, Trump was a big target for all the comedy shows and all that kind of stuff. So, but yeah, it is. It is a. I, I don't know how anybody else feels uh, feels about it, but Colbert and John Stewart to some degree, John Oliver for sure. Uh, just all of these guys that came out of those two comedy network shows, pretty disappointed with uh, all the low hanging fruit that they've been picking. It disappoints me and Sasha Cohen, who you know he's the guy that plays Borat, right? I'm sure you've heard of his movie. <laughs> yeah, we did. We played some of his uh, Dick Cheney waterboarding clips. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, so his so his movies are funny, you know, and it's kind of like South Park. It offends a lot of people. Some people think it's funny, and that's great. That's what comedy's about. But he said it's one of the greatest things in the world when when Trump was silenced on social media, regardless of how you feel about it. It's really interesting that someone who thrives off. Uh, context and dialogue that is offensive to somebody no matter what is celebrating the fact that someone is silenced communists believe in freedom of speech yeah it's just crazy though but it seems i mean the reason i brought up sasha cohen is the same in vain with these comedy guys because they get they go in there and they rage against people and they sit in their ivory tower and they're but they're comedians (laughs) i mean so i mean technically yeah that would be the the term but in spirit i'm not so sure now, real comedians, I can tell you Tim Dillon is one of them, and I highly suggest any of y'all check him out, because <laughs> he, he's one of those rare few that can still just rip into both sides. I think he's a much, much needed... Actually, <laughs> Monty, I think... Uh, I can't, or Actually, I don't remember who I showed it to, but he did his... Uh, uh, oh, my God. Uh, who's the one that died? The Republican ran for... Um, president against obama you're talking about um, mccain john mccain yeah his daughter tim dylan has a parody of her that i highly recommend <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. um so yeah yeah theo vaughn i did see uh dave Chappelle apparently tested positive for uh covid oh, i thought you were gonna say marijuana yeah i was listening all about that on uh breakfast club the other day yeah, is he still uh, tested? Uh, well, he's positive, but positive with symptoms, or is he uh, symptomatic? I think health wise, he's doing just fine. Uh, but they had to delay his uh, tour and shows, obviously. But um, yeah, it was, it was pretty funny. Because, I mean, obviously, no one cares in Texas. Can you get a little closer to your mic, Monty? Oh yeah, my bad. Yeah, uh, yeah, it, it was pretty funny. I, I believe Elon Musk was also there too at the show. And um, yeah, big group I, photo. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if he tested positive or not either. But they were just breaking the rules. That's the problem. They were in a public forum. Well, you're in Texas, man. It's Texas, bro. <laughs> uh, well, he might have to, um, you know, be sick for three or four days yeah, and then um, and then have the antibodies and not even need the vaccine. 
they'll certainly find a doctor that will clear him whenever he's ready to get back on stage. That's for sure. Yeah. But he is an African American, so that means he's he's gonna die from it, right? Uh, he is, yeah, statistically supposed to be more likely to be taken away by it, <laughs> according to whatever source you follow. The science, I don't have a science uh, ISO yet. Um, did have a pretty good uh, Charlie the Unicorn throwback, though. I don't want to be too weird. I can't hear uh, Monty too well. Can y'all hear him? I can bring I him up a little bit. Little bit. Right here. I'll go to my system settings. Sorry. I just want to make sure if it was just me or something, you know. It's a little low. Can you hear him? Bert? Let's see. Not really. I mean, I can hear him because I see him. It's just low. Yeah. Is that any better? That's better. All right. <clears throat> my microphone in a bit too. Hey, there we go. Let me just try to Okay. All right. Now it's better. There we go. Yes. Yes. I couldn't make out the lap. I'm just sitting here going, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm always wondering how often that happens to me in real life because I have such a deep deep and nasally voice. I'm always wondering, this fucking person even listen to me or am I just wasting my breath? And they are too afraid to say, like, I can't understand you. <laughs> yeah, I don't uh, – they've, they've added a couple of new settings to clean feed. Um, and I guess I, I didn't see, uh, Monty was in the, uh, the one they were normally in. I apologize. It was my fuck up too. That's uh, all good. Okay. Damn so it, man. We did some comedians. Um, it's unfortunate, uh, to a big degree. I feel like pop comedy is, uh, sort of on the way out, but there are really fantastic comics. Uh, Schultz. Smith. Dave Andrew Smith. Schultz. Schultzy. Yeah. Dylan, Theo Vaughn, those are the folks that uh, people should be paying attention to and stop uh, watching your late night talk shows. Joe Biden. They'll have their day. Give them a decade. They'll Joe be up Biden's there. hilarious, except he signs jet that's really fucking dangerous. Ugh. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's veer back into section nine here. And this is the outbreak of the coronavirus. Um, I'm drinking that. So we're looking at clip 24 now, and this is taxpayers funding patent research. So taxpayers pay for the shot and Fauci makes, or excuse me, I'm sorry, Faustus makes all the money off of it. Is that? And the very interesting part is with this too, is the um, blanket immunity they have for any Anything that goes wrong, you know they, what? Okay, maxed out at what two two hundred thousand or something. You know, I think we should all dogpile on Mike there for a second because that was your boy Reagan. I, found I think. Out. That, yeah, so let me let me ask a question about that. This I, I want to get everybody's opinion on this <clears throat> before we go in this clip. So, if we didn't have pharmacy, if everybody here can say they benefited from medicine and doctors, right? I mean, I, I would think so. And obviously, I'm not I'm not protecting. Corruption that's happened in the past or anything like that. I'm not saying that, but pharmaceutical, you, you're dependent on these these companies to make this stuff for you so you can get a vaccine if that's what you're chasing after. And that act that was passed by Reagan in, I think it was 85, because these, these pharmaceutical companies were getting, I'm just playing devil's advocate for one second for the conversation. These pharmaceutical companies were getting sued uh, left and right, and then they threatened to not make any anymore Unless they could get the blanket immunity that you're talking about, and I'm not defending that. I'm just saying that was the that was the catalyst for it, and then that's why they signed it because they didn't want to lose the opportunity for these farm, pharmaceutical companies to make the vaccines, and that's the catch twenty two that you're in now. 
and now they have that immunity, which is very, which is kind of is controversial. So, but go ahead. Sorry to well, jump in. Like, I think one of the scarier things about the blanket immunity now is the talk of, you know, the more forced vaccination approach to where it's not any longer. Well, okay, maybe you, if your kids can't go to a public school or something, it's like fine, I'll homeschool them, whatever. Yeah. Now it's like you can't own a bank account, um, you know, or get internet service or order a fucking pizza or go to yeah, the grocery That's the scarier thing, right? It's like, you know, I don't know who gets that power. I don't remember seeing that type of thing kind of in the Constitution. We could have to maybe do an episode where we talk about the Constitution and we look for that section <clears throat> where it says, you know, there's a good funny meme. And it's like... um you know, it's got them standing up at the signing and it says it. All right, every just so we're clear, uh, none of this matters if there's a pandemic. <laughs> you know? We should do an episode where people that don't take the vaccine, they just utilize Amazon for every aspect of their life so they don't have to go outside at any point. They could work from home for Amazon and they could order all their shit from Amazon. They could get their vaccines delivered by drones. They'd be like the guys that float around in Wally watching TV. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie or not. Oh, yeah. I'd say it's yeah, up there for a little bit of predictive programming. You know, yeah. one, one part idiocracy for sure. What were we talking about today earlier on a phone call, uh, Bert, um, about the uh, delivery of the – you're talking about delivery of laundry, daily laundry delivery? Yeah, it was, it was so like with the World Economic Forum, right, that when they have the, the Great Reset – Somebody from TED Talk was given some speech, speech, and it was in line with the Great Reset. And they were like, "Imagine a world where everything is service oriented. You know, in whatever clothes you want to wear, a drone will fly by and deliver it to you. And then when you're done with the clothes, you give the clothes back to the drone." And I'm sitting there thinking, well, "What are you going to do about your underwear?" Because they're trying to think about, they're trying to say a service uh, society where you don't own anything. I mean, people can say they're for or against it, but I'm just saying it's just, it's pretty, it's, it's far subscription based now. Exactly. Exactly. That's, that's a perfect point. Exactly. Who does, who does the plumbing in a, in a, in a system like that? You just Amazon. subscribe to a plumber. No, <laughs> right, exactly. right. That's, that's even better. It, this, if you have prime, they will be there the next day to solve your problem. It'd be the next day. I and, and, and you'll own nothing and be happy. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah they're, exactly. They're, hey, they're already breaking into it. They got pharmaceuticals now, and they're already doing home services. <laughs> they'll just have her time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was like, okay, well, you came out of your public schooling, and it says here that you are the plumber, or you know, and that's all you do, and you'll like it. Yep, you'll have. A- if you don't like it, we'll fucking kill you because you're you. Amazon for terrestrial goods, Google for internet services, and Disney for your entertainment. So if the plumber's like, man, I want to be a fucking amazing musician, they're going to say, no. Well, you can't can't own the guitar. You can't have a guitar, dude. No, you'll be able to. I don't see if you can if you can get vaccines delivered by a drone. I think you could probably get a, a guitar. You just have to have the social credit score for it. Like you got to be on your extra good behavior to get enough, because you know it's like guitars are kind of expensive in in the real life. So you got to you know make sure you what what was the uh, 
uh, you could boost your social credit score by watching Netflix. That was something that <laughs> they had definitely and covered. Um, shows. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, dude, it's such a such a tricky area to get into with that stuff because if if everything is subscription based, there were ta- there was one of these podcasts I was listening. To. I know it's a tangent, but it's really important with some of these clips. There's a podcast I was listening to, uh, the Propaganda Report. I don't know if anybody's heard of that or not. And they had this guy who's called the Ice Age Farmer, and he's basically talking about. Um, you know, growing your own food versus like corporate food and stuff like that. And he got banned off Twitter. And basically they were talking about the fact that if you get away from the natural things that we used to do, like growing our own food a long time ago and be totally dependent on other people, it takes away your ability to survive on your own. We all know this. I'm not patronizing you, but that's the same concept with with what they're talking about with that service-based industry. You have no control over anything and you are totally dependent on what they give you. And that's it. And I find it a very tricky, slippery slope to go down if that's the whole world they want to go to in the future. And I would be shocked if the majority of people would go along with that. I think services are great. But, I mean, if everything is like that, it's pretty – it's a slippery slope. I think to your point, uh, to answer your question from earlier as far as the indemnity for pharmaceutical companies – if it was something that they had stayed more on a natural path for treatment, uh, more holistic approaches, I think the being covered for lawsuits would be totally, totally cool. But, you know, they, they still they still know that they could have made a fuck ton of money off of that or off of their petroleum based um, products. Rockefeller. I, wait, is Propaganda Report, uh, is that James Corbett or am I mistake no I, I don't know their names i don't think that's it but it's a <clears throat> two people that do it it's really good actually they do it every day for 30 minutes it's a good one i like it a lot gotcha. i i there's a breaking news right here um joe biden just signed a new executive order claiming that all vaccines from now on will be electric based just came up stick your finger in the outlet Yep. <laughs> you just got facts. Global warming, you know. Mm. All right. Well, let's <clears> look <throat> at uh, some clip 24 action, the Bay Dole Act. Uh, and this is looking at um, patents. Is that correct? It's for taxpayers fund patent research. And then <clears throat> the point is, can they pay for the vaccines at cost? And then, no, the uh, pharmaceutical companies still sell it at a profit. So the positives and negatives from that approach. Right. And I, I guess my last point that I was going to toss in there, um, it's definitely definitely a thing with oil being sort of the genesis from what the pharmaceutical industry was born out of. So at the end of the day, it's really no different to me from big pharma and big oil. Did we hit that clip already, though? No, that's down in Section 11 because they talk about Rockefeller okay. and petroleum, which is really good. I mean, it's great that we can talk about it now, too, but I'm just saying they cover that when, with the petroleum-based uh, medicine versus natural medicine, too, which is really good. Hell, yeah. So <laughs> they're just making money hand over fist. But clip number 24. In 1979, the world decided that we needed the Bayh-Dole Act because we needed to reform our patent system. And one of the modifications was we allowed recipients of federal funding 
to patent and retain economic interest in the research that the public paid for. You get a $5 million grant from the taxpayer, and then you get to charge the taxpayer a premium for the technology they paid to develop. Pfizer is going to get nearly $2 billion. Moderna receiving $438 million in taxpayer money. And yet both companies have said they will not sell the vaccine at cost. They're going to make a profit on it. Should pharmaceutical companies profit off this vaccine research that taxpayers have helped fund? Do they get a cut? I think they should line that up in the bid. It's what it's what uh, military contractors do, you know. Military, you know. So, say I'm working for AT and T or something like that, and we uh, we line up a military contract, and we're gonna put our bid together. We're gonna, you know, get we win the bid for the government. Government, our bid is our profit. You know, if if we get this done. Under the less amount that we won the bid for, we make money. Why can't why can't pharmaceutical companies do the same thing if they're if we're paying for all of the shit? You know. Well, I mean, if you think about it, with the thing we were just talking about when you kicked the show off with Davos, right? The Great Reset. The quote was, "Capitalism as we know it is dead." And if taxpayers pay for vaccine research and then pharmaceutical companies are able to sell them at a profit, is that not capitalism? Well, and sure. But it's like, you know, if you get the – that doesn't make any sense, though. It's a, it's no, I'm not, I'm not, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not arguing with you. What I'm saying is – and sorry to interrupt you. I'm saying it's the same It's the same format and formula they're trying to fight against, but it's okay for these large companies to do it back to the people. They're invested in it. Go ahead. Go ahead. They want no competition. That's what the Davos. Oh, absolutely. That's another. That's another point too. They absolutely. Want to consolidate all of the world's resources under their own power, to where they can control it all. Right. You know, it's, it's no, yeah. no more or less ethical than any other lobbyist it's, group either. So, so I would, but I would ask the question in a different way though. If you're, if you're a company, and you invest your resources in it, then, I mean, theoretically, you would have the ability to turn around and sell it for more than you invested to make a profit or else you're philanthropic, right? But this is a different story because this is the taxpayers, i.e. the federal government and taxes or state government, whatever, are going into these vaccines and then they turn around and sell them back to as for a profit back to the same people who pay for it, which is, it's kind of like if you invest in a company to get it off the ground and then they turn around and charge you and you're like, wait a minute, I need to get a return on my investment, not be paying more. Right. I it's mean, that's, not that's, how it works. If I'm a, yeah. if I own a carpentry company and I go to my uh, local government and I say, and because they need a giant deck built at wherever, and it's the taxpayer money that's funding the government, I win a bid. And, you know, as long as I can do the job and in the amount of time, I get to keep all the money, you know? That's that's above it and beyond it, and that's how companies stay profitable. They make a profit off of it. Fucking, they're I, I don't know, man. The pharmaceutical companies should be held to the same standard. If you know, if we're giving them money to give to, yeah. to supply a vaccine to the United States, why is should it, they have to sell it again? Is it, Get is, it too, is it too uneducated to say that it's no different than any tax shelter mega church or I might be know, totally missing a point here or something. No, 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 no. That that's that's a good point too. And then mega church thing is a good point. 
let me let me turn it around in a different way. Um, and back to Booberry's point that you've mentioned before. If they were not under the microscope for doing things that were nefarious or lying to the public or hiding things or having to pay billions of dollars in fees because they've done, they've lied to people and people have died or whatever, if they hadn't done that, there probably wouldn't be as much of a microscope over them to say, um, you know, you, you don't deserve to make a profit. Because, I mean, I think any company that puts together a product and sells it back to you, they deserve to make a profit off it because they've invested the resources. But it's, it's twofold here. You've got an industry that has a monopoly, like what Malachi is talking about, and then you, what Booberry is talking about with the, the nefarious aspects of it or the lies or the deception or whatever, it puts them in a different view. And then if the taxpayers on top of that are, are, are paying for it, you know, but the, the driving force is fear because if you don't take it, then something bad is going to happen to you. So then you just have to pay for it. And not just you, but everyone that you encounter or have interactions with. Yeah. Uh, well, um, we have uh, clip 25 now. Martin's rise, uh, uh, excuse me, Martin's leading into the events of 201. So the vaccine is the, if we were to break it down into the problem, reaction, solution, uh, would you guys equate the vaccine to the reaction or the solution? Is it a stepping stone to yeah, the next I, phase, or is it the... That's an interesting uh, question. I can't answer the way you posed it. <laughs> I can't answer the way you posed it. Is it the call, the solution? Well, uh, we're, we've kind of... It's it's interesting, because we started okay. off with uh, Event 201 in the last one, so I'm, I'm curious to, to hear about the events these, leading yeah, up these to... Are really, these are really good clips, and, and like I said, in the notes... Uh, 29 is the key clip of everything for this movie, but obviously we'll get there, but right this is the most important section. Here we go. My systems flagged anomalies when I started seeing nonprofits and corporates and cover financing for coronavirus programs in the late summer and fall of 2019. Our first red flag came out when we read the world at risk scenario. Now there is an organization called the Global Monitoring Preparedness Board. This organization is a part of the World Health Organization and this board includes Dr. Elias from the Gates Foundation and Anthony Fauci from NIAID. The These two individuals people. plus the director of the Center for Disease Control in China come out with a recommendation that says that by September 2020, two global pandemic preparedness exercises have to be completed. And one of them has to be done on the release of a respiratory pathogen that then gave rise to an October event, event 201. So I think the most important thing, the most important thing to take into account with this whole section is not to say that the event 201 predicted coronavirus and, and all this stuff was planned because this follow follow the movie and a lot of this stuff plan it falls falls in line. But the, the to me the most important thing is if you look at the and it's a it's a takeaway like the the PDF that they have on the event two hundred one site. 
all the requirements for the scenario is, I, I said this in the last podcast, like 90% of what we've gone through the past year. And um, all the takeaways and the gaps from the simulation are the issues that we've experienced this year as well. So the majority of the pandemic and the requirements and the virus and, and the kind of virus it was and all the issues that we've run into have all been what we went through this past year. Now, that doesn't mean I'm not saying it was man-made and that they planned it with this pandemic. I'm not saying that, but it is insanely coincidental that it's like a 90 to 95% mirror <clears throat> that cannot be disputed. Well, let's, uh, let's hit it with some simulation. This is clip 26. Event 201 took place five months before COVID-19 was declared a pandemic. The participants of the event are some of the same people that are now deeply involved in the real pandemic and profiting from it as well. Event 201 was a scripted, multi-camera live event that was broadcast globally via the internet. An event of this complexity and magnitude would take months to write, prep, and produce, placing the conception date at least one year prior to the actual pandemic. Is that all? One year? Uh, you mean all the clip or all one year? What do you mean? Uh, just one year before the pandemic? That's another thing that he brings up. So he's saying if this took place on, on October of uh, – are you guys still there? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know if the video was on. If this, if this took place on October of 2019, he goes over the fact that it, it have to be the requirements, the, the actors, all the scenarios, everything would have had to have been designed a year in advance and then, and then planned out. So that's a key point as we go into the other clips about, the, um, uh, about how the other clips fall in line. And I, I don't know, this is more just a bit of trivia, but uh, there was the Amazon series Utopia, which Monty and I had went through. And there was there was even a discretion warning at the beginning. It's like these it was not intended to be based on real events. Uh, that might be a terrible paraphrase. What was what was that though? What's it called? Utopia uh, on Amazon Prime Video. Yeah, is sure. It like, a, is it a uh, a breakout movie or or what is it? Is it a it's, a, it's, a, it's a show mini series. It's got, it's got uh, Rain Wilson and John Cusack in it. Oh yeah. Oh, it sounds pretty good. Yeah, it's what six eight eight episodes long. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I get what they're going for. Uh, you and I talked about this already, two hours, three blueberry. But, uh, yeah, the storyline gets a little weak here and there. But I understand also a little bit why they threw up the uh, prompting warning message and all that good stuff because, obviously, we were going through the middle of the pandemic or towards the end of it, at least last year, when they released it. <laughs> and there's there's all sorts of, like, MK Ultra symbology in it, too. Yeah. Yeah, there's just sprink there's sprinkles of like all these things we talk about in it, but they never really hit any of them like on the head very hard. It's more just a just a tease. Pretty much. <laughs> it's short. It's uh, enjoyable enough. Um I don't want to spoil it for you, so you know, if you want to come back and talk about it later. Yeah, we can do that. Yeah, I need to check it out, that'd be good. Oh, yeah, that's a, yeah, it's an easy watch. <laughs> What's it called again? I'm sorry. Utopia. Utopia. Oh yes. Okay. Uh, I, yeah. Well, let's. Um, I, I'm going to say we'll hit the next three clips, and that might be a good breaking point. And uh, now we have clip 27. This is Fauci and Gates predicts the pandemic. Excuse me, pandemic, pandemic, man in plan. 
<laughs> I don't know where I was going with that. Clip 27. Scam is scamdemic. Scamdemic. That's not bad. Yeah. Uh, I do. I do. I don't know, man. Playing damn it. There is no question that there will be a surprise outbreak. Anthony Fauci knew no as early as January of 2017 that we would see an outbreak before the end of 2020. Even Bill Gates, a man with no medical training, knew it was coming. If we start now, we can be ready for the next epidemic. Every single thing that you have seen play out in front of your eyes, all of them laid out in their tabletop exercise, which, by the way, fact checkers have said has nothing to do with the coronavirus outbreak. Just happenstance. This is that wonderful universe of improbabilities where events just co-emerge and then nature conveniently backs itself into our architecture. That's that's the scenario we're supposed to accept. Brilliant. I'm confused by that. Nature backs it backs itself up into our architecture. So what he's saying is, you know, you go through a simulation that they did in October and say they did a year in advance. And then he's saying conveniently the real world itself backs itself into that template that they went through in the simulation. Interesting. 90%, 95% of what they went through in the simulation is exactly what happened in real life. Hey, that's better than uh, Faustus's fucking herd immunity statistics. <laughs> mm, 70%, 90%, 85, 45, 35, whatever number he landed on. Hell yeah. All right. Uh, next up is Clip. Hey, hold on, before you, yeah, before you do this one, I just want to understand what it is. So this clip, you're doing 28, right? Yes. So <clears throat> this clip is in because we just got audio, right? The first clip is uh, event 201 simulation clip. So with the actors, right? And then the next clip, talking about the same exact uh, subject matter, is real footage from during the year from the pandemic. So it's, again, showing the similarities between the uh, simulation and real footage that they had. So you'll hear like a, a mirror image in the audio as they go clip to clip. Holy shit. All right. Well, this is a simulation to reality. Some countries have banned travel from the worst affected areas. The president has made a decision to suspend all travel to the United Kingdom and Ireland. Dis and misinformation circulating over the internet. Across the world, misinformation about the virus is being shared online. A significant demand for N95 masks and gloves are on the rise. The demand for N95 masks to prevent the deadly airborne virus has surged. We could eventually have 52 million treatment courses per year, but it will take many months to get there. We're still many months out from having something that we can really deploy to the public. And 65% of those polled are eager to take the vaccine, even if it's experimental. A new poll finds that 49% of Americans say they would get a COVID-19 vaccine should an effective one be discovered. It's like a movie, man. It's only realer. I mean, yeah, that's, that's what I'm, I mean, when I first saw this, that's what blew my mind is... It's just like what Martin's talking about. Nature backs into the template that they've already designed. Again, it doesn't prove anything, but the coincidence of it being almost 95% the same, and you can look at the PDF. That's why I was telling you before, I'm surprised that either they haven't talked about Event 201 more or that it hasn't been taken offline because you can look at all their initial requirements and the gaps that they took from the simulation, and they line up almost exactly with what we've gone through, which is, I mean, you can just say it's coincidental or it makes you scratch your head and say something's not right here. It was, 
FDR that said all things in politics are purely coincidence. I thought it was Theodore. That's what you said last time. (laughs) And the last two clips to me are the keys to the whole whole movie (laughs) and everything we've been talking about, just from my opinion. Because, and Mickey Willis was talking about this when he was being interviewed on London Real. He said when he was attacked, uh, when the second movie came out and it was banned and all that kind of stuff, he said the main thing that he was trying to get across to everybody was not that Event 201 predicted the pandemic, but if Event 201 knew about all these gaps a year and a half in advance, why wasn't there an aggressive plan with all the financial uh, availability that they had with all these people that were sponsoring it to go ahead and attack those gaps since they knew that they were a critical risk to, to have on the table? I mean, and- did they want to do good? Exactly. That's my whole point. Yeah. And so, but then in, in, in line with that, when he was talking to the guy at London Real, he was saying, I'm just paraphrasing, obviously we don't have the clip, but he was saying, um, and that's one of the things he was caught out and he's not supporting Trump, but he's saying they blamed Trump for all the gaps in the PPE material. But if they knew a year in advance, why wouldn't they have done something about it then? And so the, the 29 and 30 talk about that, which is uh, fascinating. All right. Well, uh, we can do some clip number 29. I'm curious. Who wrote the Event 201 script? If the visionaries of the event knew at least one year in advance what was needed, why didn't they take care of those things? Considering that Bill Gates has donated half of his fortune to make the world safer, why didn't he help to better prepare our hospitals and frontline workers? Why didn't any of the event's wealthy sponsors do something? And I almost played clip number 33 because it was the next one in line. Well, and and see, this is the other one that to me is crucial because this is Bill Gates on the BBC during the pandemic. I think it was in March or maybe April. I mean, I'm not, can't be beholden to it. And he's, he's quoted as saying, we did not simulate this. We are in uncharted territory and that's why there was like, you know, wear masks, don't wear masks. They, they had a lot of clean surfaces. They didn't know what to do because they were in uncharted territory. But if you go back and read the literature word for word from Event 201, as I said before, the requirements and the takeaways, it's almost exactly what we've gone through. So why would he say that? Well, this wouldn't be the first simulation that Bill Gates is responsible for, for creating Microsoft, which is the backbone for all VR tech. That could be a totally baseless claim, too. He created Microsoft. <laughs> well, I mean, but the, again, the only reason that I bring that up, and I'm not saying it to support Trump, I'm saying it from the standpoint of it proves the bias that was going towards Trump during the pandemic in the United States and some in the world with some of the global coverage because they tried to blame him for all the gaps that we were dealing with with COVID. But if these guys knew a year and a half in advance, why in the world didn't they put some aggressive plan together to attack this if they knew? And they're more experts than Trump is. So why in the world wouldn't they put an aggressive plan together to deal with it? And then why would he say, we've never simulated this before, and this is uncharted territory, which is not true according to Event 201, which is not a pandemic uh, event? Well, the Atlas agent is a guest on Behind the Scheme. And what we do here behind the schemes is we go behind the schemes and we, we have researchers out there in all corners of the world. You know, <laughs> figuring, 
information that no one else has heard because it's too dangerous to be public, you know. Um, but, um, you know, we know why this happened, <clears throat> and it's because of the um, kind of the freedom movement around the world that was happening, um, you know, since uh, 2016 <laughs> and everything. And, and, and I, I, I can't go on anymore because I'm not authorized to say um, oh, you don't have clearance? You don't have the security clearance? John Oliver told you to shut the fuck up. <laughs> oh, shut up, shut up. It went viral. <laughs> um, I was going to throw in real quick that uh, let's not forget that out of all of the photos with people pictured with Jeffrey Epstein, it was the Trump ones that were not getting scrubbed as there goes Bill Clinton's ones. Bye-bye. And there goes Bill Gates's ones. Goodbye. So don't forget that one either folks, but here's a lot of these. There's clips in here. with talking about Epstein and Gates too, which is interesting. Oh yeah. Um, well, we had Boris Johnson in the EU, the, 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 the EU, or not the EU, but, um, <clears throat> you know, wherever they are over there, Great Britain, you know. Whatever. Not America. Uh, not America. They were having a big conservative movement going on here. And, um, you know, Brexit, all this stuff, not cool, guys. They throw this shit out. Boris Johnson knew what was coming. I'm telling you this right here. This from some of my sources from around the world. Um, he knew that Trump was getting the sham on the election. And that's why he's done a 180 in the past six months. You know, and he's like, okay, I'm cool, guys. And they also showed him the other angle of the Kennedy assassination. Uh, you know? Oh, oh, yeah. yeah. That could Trump, be a fun one. Whatever. Um, well, but let's. Why else would Why else would Boris Johnson all of a sudden now be locking down as hard as anywhere else you know in the world? The lizard people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who do you trust? Who do you go for for representation as a as a Malachi? I want to be a globalist. How do I get in? <laughs> and there you go. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So this is a uh, clip number thirty, and this is. Gates not doing anything, or excuse me, I'll just let the cl clip speak for itself. Now here we are, you know, we, we didn't simulate this, we didn't practice. On behalf of our partners in the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. So both the health policies and economic policies, we find ourselves in uncharted territory. So see, this is what I was saying before, and I know we're, we're going to take a break, I think, after this. This is what enraged me more than anything when I watched this movie. And this is the pivotal point for why it just makes me furious that they tried to ban this movie because he goes on the BBC and you heard what he said. We did not simulate this. And then it kicks over to the event to a one video where the chairwoman is kicking it off saying we're beginning this simulation with X. And he says, we're in uncharted territory with the economic uh, and global impact of it. But if you read the event to a one literature, it all is called out in there. And so for him to say that, he's just saying that to an audience that's probably not going to read this PDF that has like 50 pages of all this stuff. And I read through it. Not that I'm special, but I mean, I read through it just to get these details. And it's a lie because they did simulate it. And how can you how can you say that? And then people not 
challenge it and because they did simulate it. He's got his TEDx videos from 2014 as well. <laughs> TEDx videos. TEDx videos. But like I'm saying, it's it's a rhetorical question, but this is the part that just makes me furious. They did simulate it. And I've actually talked to a lot of my friends that are all over the different political spectrums. A lot of them hadn't heard of Event 201. And I posed these questions to them, and I'm like, you're blaming Trump for a lot of this stuff, but Gates was involved in the simulation and then claims he didn't simulate it. It's 95% the same as what we've gone through. How can you answer that? And they're like, hmm, yeah, there's... Few questions the thing, there. The thing about it is exactly it. They did simulate it. Why, if if it was for good, why wouldn't Bill admit it that they exactly. did simulate it? And even if they made mistakes, but they knew it was for good, they could they could always just be like, "Hey, we've dropped the ball on this issue, and we are making it up here and here and here." You know what I mean? That would be fine as long as they're not blaming somebody else, right? Because right. the blame would be around, it would be would be shouldered by everybody, right? Not just one person, which proves the political aspirations, whether it's an opportunity or by design, it proves that someone is lying to you and it doesn't add up. Yep. And the th- and it's and it's acceptable when there's no pushback from that side. And you know, it's so funny. I watched I've watched a couple of um, of the new administration's press conferences because I used to love watching the old ones. Because, you know, I thought like Kaylee McEnany and um, Sarah Huckabee Sanders were were awesome at what they did. This bitch is just like, uh, 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 I'll circle back around, you know, and it, just watching the total one eighty flip of the the media from going from, oh, my God, you answered that like a fucking racist, you know, to just like, okay, whatever, just, you know. She answered one of the questions about Biden with his mask on federal land, and she said we have more important things to cover than that. But when Trump didn't wear a mask, they were like, he's a super spreader and all that. But, again, I'm just going to say this is should be – magnified and talked about by all the people in the press that he has the courage to stand up in front of BBC and say, we did not simulate this. Or he could say the 5% uh, Delta between the, what happened in the real world versus the simulation, you know, allows him to make that statement, but throw that away. He is telling you they didn't simulate it and they did. And so one more final point and I'll be quiet. The, if you go to, Talk. Yeah, I know, I know, but I'm trying not to dominate. I want us all to have a balance and talk. But uh, when you go to the Snopes that said the Bill Gates predict COVID-19, it goes to event to a one uh, material and it says, no, Bill Gates did not predict uh, COVID-19. They just did a simulation. But then you find this video that says we didn't simulate it. Right. So he's trying to, but basically what's happening is he's trying to sell to the public. We're in uncharted territory. So if we tell you to wear a mask and then we tell you not to because there's a PPE shortage and then we tell you again to shame you or whatever these ideas are, they're just setting the stage for you to be able to be yo-yoed back and forth because they don't know. Because they've, it's, yeah, they, go they've got the total advantage too. You know, right. Bill Gates is Bill fucking Gates. And he is 
he has money in all of these media companies. Guarantee it. There's something of Bill Gates in there because he's the richest man in the world. You know, from every now and then. Um, he also owns the most farmland too. Yeah, which, yeah, whatever. But they have nothing to lose. It doesn't matter. You know, if they lie, they get it. You know, Bill Gates lies, and they have this the simulation here, and maybe Snopes says he did, but something else didn't, you know, it does, they don't, it doesn't even matter to them that their lies and, and contradictions are laid out clear because it takes a lot of work to put them together. And then all they have to do when somebody puts them together is, is have Stephen Colbert go, these are stupid conspiracy theorists that thinks the earth is flat. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that's what. But that's what I'm saying. It's like you can put the Earth is flat in one lane, and you know you can have a different conversation. But you can put this and say you went through a simulation, and you had takeaways and gaps. You have billions of dollars. You could have addressed it. Instead, you tell the public you didn't simulate it. You had an opportunity right then to say, "Hey, my whole organization, World Economic Forum, John Hopkins, and all these hundreds or thousands of people that were involved in it." we can shoulder the blame and not Trump. And I'm not protecting Trump by saying that. I'm just saying one man was the, was the fall guy in the United States for the quote unquote failure of how we dealt with COVID. He was the outsider. Right. But Gates could have said my foundation failed because we knew about this for a year and a half and we didn't do anything about it. Oh, they did a lot about it. Well, but I'm just, I'm just saying, but, but, and, and I'm not trying to, it, I'm not trying to blame COVID on Gates, but I'm just saying for him to say we didn't simulate it is, is not true. It's a lie. And, he knew it was a lie. and why would he say that? Exactly. So you, he said that so you can leave people to where they can be manipulated so they don't really know and wear a mask, don't wear a mask, you know, so they can jockey people around, you know, and, and you could say that's because it's new data and you don't have a good body of work to measure. So you don't know that's one thing, or you could say, cause you want to keep people guessing so you can manipulate them. I don't know, but I do know that they had event to a one and he said they didn't simulate. And that is something that should be highlighted in the media and it has never been discussed. And I just, and this movie calls it out and then they ban the movie. I mean, that's crazy. Of course they do. They're the stakeholders. They're the profit holders. Yeah. Excuse me. Sons of bitches. Well, I think it's a uh, an appropriate time for a quick break. And yeah. uh, as always, you know, it's just going to be a blip for the, for the people at home. Um, and when we come back, we'll get into leadership, merits of influence. All right. Hey, man. We're out. Make that cut there before I said, hey, man. Hey, anyway. man. Yeah. Give me like that much space. <laughs> I think uh, an epidemic, either naturally caused or intentionally caused, is the most likely thing to cause, say, 10 million excess deaths. Uh, and that it's pretty surprising how little preparedness there is for it. Now, it's tricky because. This is a global problem, so you know, how do countries work together, which countries should put up what resources, uh, and you know, every aspect of it, the, uh, the resources to go engage in the, the affected countries, the allocation decisions. As we've seen various flu scares come along, uh, we haven't had a, a super good response. So the paradigmatic examples are 
smallpox for an intentionally caused thing, that there was a simulation called Dark Winter that didn't come out very well, uh, i.e. smallpox scored one and humanity scored zero. Uh, flu epidemics, where you know we always talk about the potential recurrence of a 1917-like uh, Spanish flu problem, and then Ebola, which although it was much smaller, uh, there was some luck involved in that. Because it wasn't spread uh, through uh, respiratory contact, uh, the reproductive rate was a lot lower, and you know, it was basically people who were sick or dead uh, who were doing most of the transmission. And so through a lot of heroic effort and a little bit of luck, it stayed under control and was largely contained to the three countries. You know, Zika is still recent enough that the understanding of, okay, should we have seen it sooner? Even understanding what the steady state case looks like in terms of immunogenicity, why it showed up in, in South America and didn't show up in Africa. Uh, I know people are hard at work trying to answer these questions. So the lessons from that one, I'm not trying to minimize that one at all, but I think they're less clear uh, than, than from Ebola. You know, I think it's too bad in a way that we have had to have these uh, epidemics to get us to move, but the timing in terms of the science, uh, the recognition that epidemics don't respect borders, and so uh, whether you're looking at this through a humanitarian lens or a purely domestic lens, uh, these are investments that, that should be made. Um, I think this is a very positive step. Shit. We're back. Got some Bill Gates action to keep us satiated during this little break that we had. It's it's mostly true. <laughs> mostly <laughs> pandemical. Oh man, this has been a good podcast so far. I know this because at the break I went, got a beer, opened it, sat down, started listening to tunes. We started talking. And then when we got back, I got up, <clears throat> got another beer, opened it, poured it in the glass. Now I've got two open beers. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Nice. Here we go. Round two. <laughs> Fight. I approve yeah. this behavior. <laughs> I did eat a big uh, pork chop and some uh, potatoes and Brussels sprouts tonight, so I should be I should be good to go. Hell yeah, hearty. We got we got your back, buddy. You good? We're we're all in this together. <laughs> exactly. Well, speaking of everybody being all in together, uh, we left off at section nine, and we're coming into section ten. And this is leadership being compromised. So everybody's holding hands and hanging out in the same beds, which is, which is cool. But you can't, you can't dictate how the world is going to be ran when you're getting all cuddly up in the bed. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> it's so hard for you to get it out. <laughs> I was, that was a legitimate effort on my part. <laughs> Uh, that's a good like, well-timed brain freeze, I guess. <laughs> um, so 
first clip for section 10 is uh, number 31, and this is who the leadership compromised and who's influencing and funding uh, and who's funded by conflicts of interest or who is influenced and funded by conflicts of interest. Leadership, unfortunately, is compromised. And by that, I mean that individuals are placed in power for their ability to be influenced, not their merits of leadership. Nothing could be clearer than the leadership of the World Health Organization. The World Health Organization is the institution granted exclusive power to guide and protect the health and wellness of humanity. The WHO is sustained by private donations, the bulk of which are made by pharmaceutical and biotech corporations who have a vested financial interest in the organization's support. In 2017, the Associated Press reported that the WHO routinely spends about $200 million a year on travel expenses, more than what it spends to fight some of the biggest problems in public health, including AIDS, tuberculosis, and malaria combined. Hmm, there's that AIDS word again. Dun, 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 AIDS. So that's when they're talking about in the center, they had a diagram and they showed all the different diseases and things they were fighting or in charge of managing and whatever. And then the middle was their travel and that was their largest expense in the year that he was talking about. All just plane tickets and hotels and probably. I mean, I think it's important to play devil's advocate, right? So they have to travel and they have to go to places to do these things too, right? So it's important to take that into context. But if the majority of your budget is on logistics and the rest of the diseases that you're fighting get a small portion of that, that's not good. Well, I can't imagine that they're staying at uh, Super 8 motels or anything. Yeah. Well, yeah. The finest of dinners for thousands of dollars a night. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure they expect better, too. I picked up CDC workers before here in Atlanta, and... Yeah, they're not. Really? They're never staying in bullshit places. No, <laughs> they're not staying at the Hampton Inn. It's usually actually it's usually like a Hampton or Marriott Hilton occasionally. But um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. yeah. They're not walking, one of those. Not walking three quarters of a mile to the nearest Waffle yeah. House. <laughs> it's usually a mid mid grade hotel. Well, I'm not. I mean, shouldn't be staying in nice places. You know. Mm-hmm. Saying, you know, well, at some point, somebody in their accounting department should be like, hey, yeah, anytime anytime in corporate incorporations, right? Travel, it's not a magic number, but travel should never be the majority of your cost, it should be a subset of your cost, or you're either taking advantage of it or you're over traveling or or whatever it is. So, you know, obviously. Exactly. And obviously, the who is going to be a huge portion of the Great Reset. And I would imagine that, you know, the majority of your costs being travel would not be in alignment with the Green Initiative, right? Probably not. <laughs> no, because it cause gas. You would need gas. <laughs> Woohoo, mile tax. I think they call it petrol over in uh, Great Britain. And I think it's interesting, too, in the, when, when they lead into it, the, the next clip is talking about Tedros. I don't know that much about him, and it's talking about him taking over his leadership of the WHO and how he had uh, possibly controversial background. I don't know that much about him, so I don't want to speak on to it too much, but the clip talks about it and, and some of the things that he had. But one of the things it talks about is he had a really good relationship with the Bill Gates Foundation and the Clintons. 
and, uh, and that's how he came into power. But he apparently in, I think it's Ethiopia, he was over uh, a botched and hidden controversy that had to do with some epidemics that took place in that, in that country too. So, yeah, he's, uh, he's, I wouldn't say fairly regular on no, no agenda, but he's, he's definitely had multiple appearances. God draws. Yes. He's the communist man. (laughs) So, uh, here's clip number 32. Who's repeated issuing of inaccurate and bad advice is not merely the result of incompetence, but rather the direct result of the Communist Party of China deliberately buying out Hu's leadership. On the nomination of the executive board appoints Dr. Tedros Adhanom Ghebreyesus as Director General of the World Health Organization. Tedros Ghebreyesus is the World Health Organization's first Director General that isn't a medical doctor. No Tedros for WHO! No Tedros for WHO! The appointment to the organization's highest position was controversial, given that in his previous role as Ethiopian's health minister, Tedros was accused of covering up three major health epidemics. Tedros is no stranger to controversy. As a former minister of health in Ethiopia, he has been accused of an alleged cover-up of three possible cholera epidemics. Prior to his appointment, Tedros was a high-ranking member of the Tigray People's Liberation Front, a brutal and corrupt political group responsible for crimes against humanity including bombings, kidnappings, tortures, and killings. Wow, this guy has quite the resume. (laughs) Who's jealous? Yeah, right? (laughs) (laughs) Damn, putting me to shame, man. I think what's interesting, too, is if you go and look at, I mean, I hate to keep using Wikipedia as a reference point, right, but why not? You go and look at him on Wikipedia, and it does bring up the possibility of his uh, association with some of the shady stuff that he brings up. But um, I don't think it's disputed that he's not a doctor, right? Well, okay, so my argument is Wikipedia is still a vital resource because it is the front page for what the lizard people want you to know. How many, so then I, I agree with you as robotically. I'll agree with you. Well, I mean, how many people make it past the Wikipedia articles? I remember me specifically. I remember a time it's like, I love this website. I'm going to look up everything. It would go and read entire comic book arcs on Wikipedia. So it's, you know, it, it's, it's a, it's a valuable resource because it's the top of the dredge. This is what, you gotta know. So I, I, you know, I, I don't think you have to be sorry for keep bringing no, up Wikipedia. I, I, I was, I was used to saying like Wikipedia, even if you're questionable of the resources on whatever you're looking up, it's a good lead, anyways. You know, it could get you going down at least the path towards the truth. Yeah, I think that's a good, that's a good point. That it's an entry point into it. I just remember being in school and they were mm-hmm. like, you can't cite it, you can't use it as a reference point of paper and stuff like that. But oh, for sure. Know, like when you're mentioning like comic books and stuff like that, yeah, totally. Because you, you can't really distort the truth of a story arc that's in some of the comic books, and it's a good place to go to bands and stuff like that. But yeah, music yeah. history, absolutely. I mean, it, it, that hasn't really been politicized too much, but you know, so unless you're Green Day, <laughs> yeah. But uh, but that's uh, 
that, that's what I thought was interesting is, is it, it wasn't like, Oh yeah, this dude's a shining knight in armor and he's totally cool. And he can manage the who all, all day long. And it's not because I mean like the, the things that he had in Ethiopia seemed like a big deal. And, and I'll circle back to the thing that we talked about in the last episode with the CDC, the CDC has had multiple instances where they had a breakout in a lab or they hid something and you're supposed to trust them for everything that they tell you to do with just taking COVID into context and the same concept here, he's in charge of the who, uh, the world health organization. And, but he has a shady past where he, he had a cover up with a breakout in Ethiopia. And then it, like they said, three times, and that hasn't been disputed. So in two major organizations that are in charge of directing protocol and enforcing the, the rules in the pandemic, they've got a shady past where they lied to people. But if you even question them, you need to be canceled. It's, totally insane to to think about that got it all locked down i mean it's <laughs> cover all your bases it's uh bullshit 101 <laughs> um so now we're looking uh at clip number 33 and this is about uh oh shit i, f- I forgot to do the thing clip number 33 since we don't have no, a so I have a proper bell like uh, other shows. We'll make our own up. Damn it. <laughs> that was um, Booberry's testicles. I have I have multiples of these. <laughs> I can I can make that uh, make that sound effect happen very easily, actually. <laughs> it is getting a little warm in here. I was actually asking if it would be inappropriate if I asked you guys to uh uh, not mind me removing my pants, but we'll see what happens. <laughs> wait, 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 we wear pants now for this? <laughs> that wasn't in the notes. <laughs> you didn't get the memo? <laughs> I retweeted it. <laughs> um, my skirt. <laughs> uh, we, we could all do kilts. We could all do kilts. I didn't know. Sorry, what was that? Like Roddy Piper. Rowdy Roddy Piper. Rowdy Roddy Piper. Yes, absolutely. As he, I would I would declare as one of our patron saints for the show, along with Phil Hicks. <laughs> he had the best quote ever. Just when you think you've gotten the answers, I start changing the questions. Oh. <laughs> is there, That's really good. Is there, That's is, really good. Is he on video saying that? Mm-hmm. Oh shit! Yeah, that's why I'll, I'll send it to you. It's one of the promos that he would do back in old school days. Yeah, totally. Fuck we need yes. <laughs> um, all right. So, is there anything that we should know going into clip number thirty-three? Uh, <laughs> no, this when we were talking about it before. This is where it goes. The, the thirty-four is about Rockefeller and uh, um, oil. And but before Martin kicks it off with uh, just introducing the conflict of interest with those in power. Hell yeah. Well, here, here we go. You cannot find a person promoting this scenario that's not part of the interlocking directorates of the World Health Organization, the CDC, the NIAID, or the organizations that are the philanthropic cover organizations that fund them. We now know that there are over 1,300 patents currently issued and held by organizations that are multiply recipients of funding through the Gates Foundation, through EcoHealth Alliance, 
through the Sherlock Biosciences connection back into open philanthropy. And all of them also have links directly to NIAID, Anthony Fauci's funding sources. If you have conflicts of interest in the funding and in the decision-making and in the inside knowledge that you have between competing or competitor organizations, that is a violation of the antitrust laws of the United States. These are federal crimes. Well, that never really stopped anyone before. And like we mentioned last time, uh, fucking uh, Faustus's wife is on the uh, board of vaccine approval. I didn't know that. Really? Yeah, I didn't know that either. Oh, yeah. Uh, I will say that... Well, I will say that it's the, the, the actual term vaccine approval board might be incorrect, but... It is the it's whoever rubber stamps the vaccine. Uh, and I keep wanting to type I Faustus, which is... and I was like Faustus. What? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, y'all add some stuff to that. I'll uh, I'll uh, fact check myself in real time. <laughs> I, to me, the one thing that's important when he's talking about the, the pedigree or lineage of these companies, it's the same thing we, in the previous episode when we talked about Fauci. Does he actually own a patent on the Moderna vaccine, for example? Uh, the NH, NIH has a vested interest in it, but Fauci doesn't directly. But he's tied to the NIH financially, so does he empirically have a connection to the vaccine? At a high level, the answer would be Yes. But if I went on Snopes, it would say mostly false. So missing context. <laughs> missing context. But it it I don't see how you could say there is not a conflict of interest at, at some layer. But playing devil's advocate, these guys are involved in medicine for so many decades. It's kind of hard to not have their fingerprints on something somewhere because of what they've done in their careers. And so is that a good or a bad thing? I don't know, but you, I think the key to it is following the money and it'll tell you everything you need to know. Well, let's just say I worked for the government or something and I went up and and, and wrapped my arms around like a nine-year-old girl and then like Wait, smelled what? her hair. I don't know where this is going. I think from my job, and I rightfully so. I need to put a roadblock up right now. (laughs) (laughs) No, but other people are allowed to get away with unethical things because they're the highest paid people in the federal government, like Anthony Fauci. He is the highest one, yeah. He gets paid more money than anybody else. I was actually not impressed with his salary if he's the highest paid federal employee in, in the whole country. I yeah, thought it would be more than that. You know, Nancy Pelosi, let's take her, you know, is she the highest paid? You know, it might be, what, 225000 a year, whatever that number is. But she just made, I think, a couple of million dollars on the same thing that the um, the guys from Reddit, you know, are getting all kinds of shit for over right now. Do y'all hear about this? You know, the Reddit guy shorting the market. You know, well, fucking Nancy Pelosi shorted the market too. And they and her and her family made a couple, few million dollars, you know, for investments she made just a few months ago. Just out of the blue, anyone here got any GameStop stock? 
I fucking wish too. Good God. I got, I got a lot of video games, but I don't have GameStop stock. I know, right? <laughs> I would have never bought that shit. Nah. I saw a funny one actually on Reddit. It's called Wall Street Bets. A guy put, uh, like, I think $3 million into GameStop like a year or so ago. And then uh, in the in the next co- in the next comment thread is like you put you have three million dollars and you put it on GameStop retarded is the word <laughs> it's now worth forty million <laughs> yeah well man that's the whole thing they just uh, they're blocking that subreddit is that what that's mm-hmm. called subreddit. yeah subreddit yeah that's what it's all about man they're fucking banishing these people for making money shorten the market. Mm-hmm. And that's what fucking all of our politicians have Pretty been much. doing for 50 fucking years. Yep. Inside, <laughs> it's not insider trading, but it's trading. <laughs> well, Man, it's not it made me bad though, because they were bad in GameStop. And it's, mm-hmm. GameStop is useless now because you just stream your video games. It's a cool experience going in there and buying video games, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, m- I miss the part of blowing into the cartridges. Let's bring that back. Build yeah. back blowing cartridges. Blow my cartridge hashtag. That was the last game I think I was good at. What was it? Tiger Woods PGA Golf Sega Genesis? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Remember the South Park intro for Tiger Woods after the scandal? <laughs> where he's like arguing with his wife and then she starts beating the shit out of him with a club. And then he gets an SUV and she vandalizes that. And before he crashes into a tree, <laughs> EA Sports. It's in a game. <laughs> They're like, wow, they really went all out with this intro. classic um i did find the uh uh, faustus's wife um christine grady Mm -hmm. she heads ethics and is the current chief she has ethics (laughs) uh, current chief of the department of bioethics with the nih that's great (laughs) perfect she's the most ethical and he's the most high paid right match made in heaven exactly Uh, get me one of those real ethical one sounds sounds ethical to a lot of people to influence the supply chain because you're concerned about m95 mask supplies versus telling the whole public to wear masks or not which turns into a political divide yeah i think we have an iso for that one that's a 10 (laughs) (laughs) that's a 10 I'll show you later. It's fine. I'll tell you when you're older. Yeah. I was like, is that, that's not the Sopranos, is it? <laughs> <laughs> I'll go back and watch that scene again. Um, right. So now we're, uh, we're looking at clip 34 and it brings up a classic name, John D Rockefeller oil tycoon um, for my historical context. I highly recommend anyone out there. Check out, um, it's James Corbett, Corbett's uh, history on oil, and if that's not the name, it's close, and it's it's a very well produced uh, piece of information. Is that a, a book, a book, or a video? It's a series, video series. 
uh, How Big Oil Conquered the World, I think is what it's called. Okay, I was just making a note of it. Well, it's, it, I mean, it's pretty fucking... Okay, so, like, you look at the oil booms, and then we get into World War One, and World War One's kind of a... It's a conflict, sort of... It's a conflict to consolidate pharmaceutical companies because so much of uh oh we seem to have lost atlas there hopefully we'll refl- uh, refresh but so much of the backbone for world war one was to consolidate pharmaceutical power and then in world war two you see the consolidation of oil and how you know who controls the oil who gets all the big bucks from it you know it, you start to see the um formation of the petrodollar you know mm-hmm. so it's it's a uh, oil and, and pharma they kind of go hand in hand it's one of those double helixing uh sort of webs if you know what i mean <laughs> <laughs> Did you take your pants off for real? I can't. I haven't yet. It is hot in here, though. Yeah. How cold is it outside there? Maybe you should go outside. Uh, I think technically it's balls ass cold. Yeah. Yeah, it's getting down to 37 down here. I can only imagine up there. It's like 48 degrees and falling, raining. Mm-hmm. Oh. The cold shit. It's, it's so cold that uh, none of my lighters are working outside. Damn. That's problems. You gotta light out the front door and then run it rush outside. <laughs> <laughs> just just art bell it right here, man. Fuck mm. it. <laughs> no, that's a, that's what I do because like uh, I don't have any wind protection when I step out my front door, so I just uh, light it real quick and rush out before I contaminate my environment (laughs) (laughs) spread your smell (laughs) um but yeah i uh i think uh that could be a a a fun one for y'all to to check out how big oil conquered the world i'll i'll send you a link to check it out Um, sure highly recommend it did we lose uh the atlas agent no i'm here can you hear me now yes indubitably I lost the connection there for a second. Sorry. It's all good. Make sure you're back. Well, um, are we ready for some clip 34 action? Yes, sir. On the same time that John D. Rockefeller seized U.S. media, he also hijacked U.S. medicine. When it was discovered that drugs could be produced from petroleum, America's top oil mogul ordered his army of propagandists to invert reality accordingly. Medicines used for thousands of years were suddenly classified as alternative, while the new, petroleum-based, highly addictive, and patentable drugs were declared the gold standard. After buying the German pharmaceutical company that manufactured chemicals of war for Adolf Hitler, Rockefeller leveraged his political influence by pressing Congress to declare natural healing modalities unscientific quackery. What do y'all think early 20th century morphine was like? (laughs) I don't know, man. It's probably amazing. Yeah. Just fucking opium that's a, and That's a Mr. Robot question. <laughs> not my yeah. drug, though. You know, it's just not something that I would want to do. You know, I hope, I sincerely hope to never be in a position ever to 
to use morphine again. Um, I just, <laughs> you know, like how readily available all these hard-hitting pharmaceuticals, uh, how available they were at the turn of the century. It was, last, uh, it was the last one. Didn't you run the clip on the um, oxycotton, oxycodone, yeah. you know? Um, and how, man, I, 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 it's weird. You move to different locations, and, or at least I have. <clears throat> and um, Carolina Beach, you know, that was a big kind of oxycodone heroin thing that's just like weird to me i just don't even understand it well you're talking about like the epidemic of these drugs yeah, being epidemic. used people are on there you know and you just meet mm-hmm. people and you can meet them and they're like yeah yeah you want some of this shit and i'm like absolutely mm-hmm. not <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean it's pushed on to their doctors by their you know drug lobbyists or whatever who go from office to office and then they push it on to their uh patients <laughs> Yeah, and and you know the uh, some of the pharmacists or no, what was happening when I was in CB was that the the heroin was coming in more prevalently. Uh, did I say that right? Sorry, I, I got this other beer drinking there. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, <clears throat> you know it was cheaper than oxycotton or right. the wow. pharmaceutical drugs. So it was cheaper and easier to get, and right. people were doing it. Now, yeah. has, same on the streets too. <laughs> hasn't there Obviously. been a, hasn't there been a couple of big heroin busts in Wilmington? I'm sure there's been a lot of them. Uh, you know, Wilmington is a huge. I think we were number one. <laughs> number one in um, what's that drug categorized as? Oh, it's like uh, the, opioid. Opioids. Opioid yeah. abuse. Yeah. Mm. And, um, and I totally see that. You know. Um, mm. Yeah. And, and then. They they found enough uh, fentanyl in a drug bust there that could have killed the population of New Hanover twice over, and yeah. it was it was uh, grams of it. When when was that? Mm, Two thousand eighteen. Soft guess. Wow. Yeah. Oh yeah that 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 one pales in comparison to some of the other shit that they've they found. Um, uh, Ontario, uh, Ottawa, Ontario, I think, had enough. They could have killed a million and a half people with the amount of fentanyl they'd found. Yeah, probably, you could probably trace all that shit back to China. Easily. <laughs> someone's making it. Someone's selling it. Someone's buying uh-huh. it. Yeah. And unfortunately, someone's fucking doing it. And then they ain't doing it again. And it's fucked up. Yep. Yep. That's just a... It's, it's, it's insane. It's a whole other realm and to meet people you know i've gotten to know and make i made friends with people to this day i'm still friends with people who i know are like addicted to either a heroin or an opioid and it's just like i don't know you know it's kind of odd because i never asked that i've never wanted this information they've offered this information to me Uh you know and i think it's like almost a cry for help but it's like man i don't know you know well, you know, misery loves company. Yeah, go to the go to get help at you know drug mm. counseling or something. I I'm sorry, I'm raising a family. I've got a life. Right. It's like they look at it as it's like offering you like a free bump of blow or something. <laughs> Man, no, absolutely not. No way. You know. Um, mm. Well, that's how normal it is for them, probably. I'm going to say the same thing. No. Mm-hmm. 
do it. I wish I could. See, that's the one thing. I have been addicted to something, and it's cigarettes for sure. And, um, mm. you know, I've, I don't know how many years it is now. I think we're three, uh, over three years, my wife and I, no cigarettes. And that shit was, mm. she was, grab boo boo, man. I uh, I have to I have to share with y'all if if this is if, if if this is the point of sharing I, I'm gonna share my addiction. Spend money on the cum. So there it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we did a uh, we did clip 34 and we're back with uh, Bill Gates and <laughs> what eruption he has caused spend money on the cum <laughs> it ain't cheap <laughs> is there anything so one, so one of the things that this clip brings up this section is, is, is the juxtaposition of Bill Gates when he was sued with the antitrust lawsuit, and this is Janet Reno bringing against the antitrust lawsuit. So obviously he was not trustable at that point, and then he reinvented himself as a philanthropist. philanthropist. Saying it the wrong way, that's pretty bad. But um, hey, we're drinking here. It's cool. Yeah. So, so he went from <laughs> you know, come on, give us a break here. He he went from you know being sued by the federal government to telling the whole country what to do, and that's a, a, a that's a, a flip flop, right? But that's what this section's about. Um, if you just listen to Fauci, just just trust the science, man. Just trust the science. Uh, Did you not science it all in your life ever? What? <laughs> um, clip number 35. The Justice Department has charged Microsoft with engaging in anti-competitive and exclusionary practices designed to maintain its monopoly in personal computer operating systems. In a move to overshadow the negative press, Gates invested $100 million dollars to set up the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Overnight, Bill Gates transformed his public image from ruthless tech monopolizer to the world's most generous philanthropist. Uh, one thing that uh, Sir Seat Center and I had uh, discussed on that uh, Bluebeam episode that we did is Bill Gates at one of those trials for, I think, antitrust violations. And we're fairly certain that he was hopped up on something because... Uh, it's just incessant rocking and taking minutes, what feels like minutes, I'm sure, uh, to answer questions and just very erratic behavior. It's all uh, very interesting. Where, where he's going like, you know, what do you mean by... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Obvious, you know, whatever it was. Yeah, where he's just... They, they, they show videos of that in the, in the pandemic movie because he says... He asked that same question. He's like, I don't understand what you mean by your question. And he's just like BSing them constantly and rocking back and forth. Is that the same thing you and um, Sir Seed Sitter were talking about? Yes. Um, I don't remember if we had played a clip. I don't have one saved uh, from then. I was looking. Um, so let me ask why are you looking at that. Let me ask everybody here. Why do you think the – so help me understand – 
is the United States suing him when there's an antitrust lawsuit, or is it just a specific state, or was that a federal lawsuit? And the other question is, why, why, why did they decide to take that to court and sue him? I guess it would be the um, federal. It would be a federal case, but I guess I don't really know. And the the base for the lawsuit was over Internet Explorer was the default browser for the Windows operating system. I forgot what version it was. And so that's why they were suing them. And that's where they were talking about the anti-competitive you know, practices or whatever. And the, the, the solution is you can just install another browser and be done with it, right? But they thought that the convenience of already having Internet Explorer there was a anti-competitive and you didn't have an option immediately when you downloaded Windows. And that's why they sued it. So I'm sitting there thinking there wasn't a lot of competition from a browser standpoint at that time. There's a point in why I'm saying this. So there's no real competition in browsers at that time, and they don't make a lot of money because you didn't pay to download a browser at that point, and there wasn't a lot of high-speed internet at that point as well when it was getting sued. Um, so why would they sue it? Was it someone inside the government or, or other companies that have anything to do with Apple, or was it, was it other companies trying to get a leg up because they had such a huge monopoly with Microsoft Office and Windows? Or was it truly, because I always thought it was pretty weak that they're suing him because Internet Explorer is your default browser. But you can, it's not like it was locked. You could totally download another one and be done with it. Hmm. I thought it was over the operating system. No, it was over when, I, I mean, I could be wrong. I'm not a super expert here, but the Internet Explorer was the default browser when you downloaded Windows. Because it wouldn't yeah. be over the operating system because you had other options. You could... Uh, you could get the Mac operating system. You had Linux, which was free. I mean, there's other options that you'd have, but if, unless they're talking about it was pre-downloaded on a lot of these computers that you buy, I mean, it could be an option like that. I don't know. I, but I thought this antitrust lawsuit was over the uh, Windows Explorer being the, opera, uh, the browser. Interesting. I need to look into this. I don't know. I just have never... but, but the root of my question is, so say, it, say it's Windows, say it's the browser. Why did they decide to sue him? Because there wasn't a lot of competition at that time, or were they concerned that he was a giant monopoly and it just stopped everybody else from even penetrating the competitive ecosystem, and that's why they did it? Or were there people inside the government that didn't like him? I'm just wondering why they would do it. I mean, it's not rhetorical. I don't know all the answers. Come on, boo there's an episode of uh, Silicon Valley on HBO where there's a guy that literally just runs around and uh, handing out uh, cease and desist or just sues random companies because there's he has a patent for this and that or there's like a hole in the patent and he just sues people and basically blackmails people for money essentially. So that could be part of it too. Like there's a whole industry around that. Like sometimes they just could be suing you because they know it's going to be cheaper for you to just settle. <laughs> yeah, I was. I, I, yeah. I've actually that was in the that's the vein that I was heading in is that it's an operation of co-opting, mm-hmm. whether it's blackmail or um, you know threat of harsh legal repercussions. He might have had to pay off the government. But I mean, I think that's a good point when you're talking about the, the people running around and you know just trying to sue people as a as a, and that's what they do, but. There has to be a reason why the America, the United States government decided to sue him. And I really think it has to do with the fact, I mean, because when Microsoft had a huge monopoly back at that point, because 
and take a take a step back into when this and the context is important for for this this story. If you take a step back and go to you went into Circuit City back in the day when this lawsuit was taking place, and you went to buy a computer, the only computer you could buy would have the Windows operating system on it because if you wanted to buy a Mac computer. You couldn't just buy the operating system and then put it on a machine. You can only buy an Apple machine when the operating system was already baked onto it, right? So Windows had a lot of monopoly all over it. So from a corporate practice perspective, that's what makes me think why they were suing them because they had too much power. That's why I thought it was like right there is why, because it was the operating system, because there was the, maybe it was Linux or something else, which I don't remember. I'm trying to think about this because I'm remembering up something big in maybe 2011 or that era when I <clears throat> heard something about this. that was like, you know, what Gates did and how he bought out or took over other operating systems was fishy. I'm sure that's legit or something. I don't know. Does that make sense? I'm, you know. While you guys are talking, I'm just looking up. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it. The the main argument was it says the issue central to the case was whether Microsoft was allowed to bundle its flagship Internet Explorer browser software with Windows. So that was the root of the lawsuit, whether they thought they had a monopoly or the OS had a monopoly as well. But the root of the lawsuit was when Windows ships, Internet Explorer is your default browser and there's no other browser installed. So back at that time, you could have downloaded uh, Mozilla Firefox or Netscape, which was getting dated at that point. But I mean, there's other options you could have done, but the average, ex the average person is not going to download anything else because it's either, if you don't have high speed, it's going to be, it's going to be a large file to download or it's too complex and they don't care. So he knows the majority of users are going to use internet Explorer. And they thought that that was a competitive advantage because the OS was already Microsoft and internet Explorer was a browser. And if they had given multiple options, then the consumer has an option to choose but he didn't put them in that position, and that's why they sued him. And um, what, but, what was the outcome of the the lawsuit? Um, that's sad that I don't know that. I sad just I, I, I think it's that. interesting that I guess Apple didn't receive the same treatment for Safari. I mean that that seems to be the. But, when, but that's a good point. But when did Safari come into play? Right? I mean, because Safari was it a browser from the very beginning? Safari had to come out with uh, OS. 10 i would have to imagine which would have been what late 2000s yeah but this lawsuit was more in the early 2000s so right. I'm, I'm just... i was using uh max and yeah that's dayton i i don't remember no. what the browser yeah, but was but go ahead Blueberry. what were you saying there um no i just i'm i'm i guess there had to be some sort of outcome that changed it for whatever reason that Apple didn't have to receive the same treatment. Granted, I don't remember what the browser was for. I'll, I'll tell you the 9. reason why Apple is not under the same microscope because you got to think about it back at that time. This is not a magic number, but they represented five to 10% of the personal oh, computer yeah. market. This is a very and niche market. Microsoft had a, a, a dominant monopoly and Dell was coming into play and the majority of the machines had windows nobody's going to download Linux or Ubuntu or anything like that because it's open source and they don't know how to do it. Microsoft Windows is more sexy and easier to use for the average user. 
and and the niche market for Mac was uh, a lot of graphic artists back at that point, you know, and and then it expanded with iTunes and iPod, and everybody started adopting Mac more. But hmm. I think that's what I mean. This is my personal opinion about it, but um, yeah, I mean, it says that they settled the case, and and it, and the settlement required Microsoft to share its uh, APIs, which is application programming interfaces with third-party companies. So basically it means they had to open up the integration points to the Windows operating system so other guys could be sitting there at the very beginning when you when you got your new machine. I do wish yeah. that uh, I was a little older for the computer boom because, I mean, I, I was a, a young child. I was one of those VS, uh, VHS babes, um, but wasn't really into computers until actually uh, the past five years maybe six years yeah i mean the the thing to understand is windows had a monopoly just from the standpoint is pcs were cheaper than macs at that point everyone had one and 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 windows was on every and pc is not the right term because that stands for personal computer so i mean windows was on the majority of computers that were bought at circuit city best buy all that kind of stuff macs were proprietary machines that you can only buy from certain areas and the majority of the people were either video editors or in the movies or computer graphics. And then that, that line kind of blurred in the early 2000s and mid-2000s, and iTunes and the iPod changed all that. But the point, circling back to like with that clip, is why would the United States government sue Bill Gates? Because at that point, Microsoft was one of the most powerful companies in the world with regards to computers. And so that was the United States coming to the table and saying, Hey, you got a monopoly. We got to take you down a notch because you got too much power. So here's a couple of demerits. Take this settlement, open up your ecosystem a little bit and let some other companies come in and have some fair grounds for commerce or whatever. Right. So, I mean, that's why they did it. But, but that's, what's interesting is he, now he's in control. He's not in control, but I mean, he, 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 influences heavily the protocol of everything that we're doing with COVID when 15 years ago he was being sued because the United States government says we can't trust you <laughs> because your, your practices are uh, unscrupulous, right? And he's still not a doctor. <laughs> yeah, totally. And then that's a whole, whole nother bucket, right? He's influencing the medical profession to the nth degree and is not a doctor. He but- is. The head mouthpiece for medical communism around the world. Well, I do want to quick inject here uh, because there was something that I had heard that I feel like we should reference just so that when people are listening to this show 100 years into the future, they have yeah. some uh, some semblance of uh, or some idea of what we're talking about and on that note, I would like to share with everyone a Circuit City commercial. If I can just get the window. That was hoping I was hoping for a little smoother transition. <laughs> Attention games warrior. Begin for your games, Circuit City. Plug it and save on Venus and Butthead. Save on Mortal Kombat 2. Become a games warrior. Buy one game and get five dollars off a second. 
that was the one. Odorous Yurong is doing a commercial oh, for us. That gets me very excited, man, to go buy something at Circuit City. Buy a cool video game, dude. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Games Warrior <laughs> Mortal Kombat finish him. Uh, oh, Mike, I, I just uh, came across this. This is in relation to the Wall Street Bets subreddit you were talking about that got shut down. <clears throat> so, anyways, this got posted on the second Wall Street Bets. They started a brand new one since the other one got closed down. But it says, uh, if I was a hedge fund losing billions to Reddit shit posters, I would get a second job driving for Uber. Cut out the Starbucks and skip the avocado toast. <laughs> Damn, they didn't take any time. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, actually, I, I'll come back around to that. I, I did find an interesting post about the, um, the GameStop s- stuff I was going to throw in. Uh, but, it, it, it's all over the internet right now. <laughs> um, now we have a uh, clip 36 and this is the eco investment, uh, which Atlas had just brought up here. Um, are we ready to jump into this one? Yeah. The man you don't know. The rebranding campaign paid off. His net worth swiftly doubled, earning Bill Gates the title of richest man in the world. You've invested $10 billion in vaccinations over the last two decades, and you figured out the return on investment for that. And it kind of stunned me. Can you walk us through the math? In a Wall Street essay, Bill Gates declared vaccines the best investment I've ever made. There's been over a 20 to 1 return. So if you just look at the economic benefits, uh, that's a pretty strong number compared to anything else. He's having a hard time not laughing there for that last little bit. (laughs) That's one thing I really appreciate about No Agenda is the way that they uh, train you, essentially. Uh, I mean, I don't know how else to describe it, to pick up those inflections in people's voices, those little tells. It's very interesting. It's um, quite a powerful technique, I think. And I'd say that we're all pretty used to it because they do do (laughs) such a good job at pointing out every time that he laughs and all of and just delivering some of the, you know, some of the the um, saddest shit as far as news or you fucked it up or you didn't plan early enough or you just like, <laughs> yeah, you don't have a benefit. Fucking, I need a clown horn. I want, I want to do one, one thing, play devil's advocate on this clip on both sides. If you have one of the richest men in the world and he's able to invest in vaccines, that's a good thing because you have one person distributing a lot of money into theoretically medicine that will help the rest of the world. That's one one way to look at it. On the other side, if you look at vaccines, as we talked about in the last episode a little bit at the very beginning, it's a it's a it's a practice where if everybody is not sick, then the pharmaceutical companies don't make a lot of money. So he mentions in that clip that you just played that it's one of the best investments that I ever made. So he invested a ton of his money into vaccine development, which is dependent on people being sick to return a profit back to him. So that vicious cycle is required for that to continue to be a good investment. Am I wrong or right? 2020 was his best year ever. Now, I mean, and, 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 and let me say one more thing real quick. So 
in the beginning of uh, February or March, or, or say, let's take March when Burks and Trump and Fauci were up there at the very beginning, and they were like, it's going to take a year and a half or 18 months to have a vaccine. Most of those people at that point would have been like, okay, great. If you have it in two weeks, I'll, everybody would take it because everybody, most of the people were afraid of COVID at that point, and if, if they're not still afraid of it because of everything that was going out around about it. Now you have to threaten and find people to take a vaccine. And that's detrimental to the investment that somebody like Bill Gates makes into vaccines and the pharmaceutical companies because they need that profit return, right? Right. Well, if Bill Gates is funding all of this, why do they need taxpayers' money? Well, that's a whole nother. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, Mike, that's a very good point. And, <laughs> and if... Oh, he's not. A year and a half ago, they uncovered all these gaps with the Bill Gates Foundation and the World Economic Forum and all that. Why didn't they fill those gaps before we even got to 2020 in the first place? Because they don't give a fuck. Yeah. Where's the no agenda bill when you need it? Right for that comment. That's what you need right there. (laughs) (laughs) That's what you needed right there. Um. And then, uh, I mean, as far as, uh, you know, keeping people sick, it's not about curing them. It's about treating them. Uh, well, that's not the specific phrase, but it goes from how do we prevent this person coming back to visit us with this ailment versus what sort of treatment plan can we keep this specific individual on so that they have to maintain themselves inside of these caring arms? I mean, it's a, it, the, I, I, the term is cannibalization, right? Like if you're in an industry. And, holy shit. <laughs> what? The breakfast of survivors. No, but I mean, like it, it take, take uh, iTunes and, and streaming music, right? iTunes makes a lot of money off selling music and then streaming music comes out. So if Apple goes to streaming music, which is Apple music, they cannibalize the iTunes product. It's the same concept. If, if, if everybody starts becoming healthy and they don't need this stuff, you're cannibalizing vaccines. So do you want to do that or not? I mean, that's, that's what a lot of these companies have to deal with. And that's, that's where a lot of the corruption can come out. So it's like in a perfect utopia, like what the Davos and all that crap is talking about in a perfect world scenario, no one would be sick. And then you wouldn't need the pharmaceutical companies anymore. Right. Well, that ain't going right. to work. Exactly. That's my whole point. And I'm not saying that they're not needed and they're not important and they haven't done a lot of good work, but I'm just saying their model is based off people being sick. But if, if everybody took what Curry says in no agenda and said, you know what, I'm not going to take the vaccine. I'm going to give it to somebody else that's more important. They'd be like, no, 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 no. You need to still take it. No, I'm good. I'll give it up for somebody else. It's like, no, the model is we need everybody to take it. To make as much money as possible. Yeah. Now, as far as being in utopia, they don't have to treat us for being sick, but they can give us sick ass genetic modifications. Uh, sort of like uh, what was that uh, Netflix carbon, not carbon copy, carbon arc? No, not carbon arc. It was the one where they could uh, pull that little uh, floppy disk out of the back of your neck and insert it into another body. I'm talking about I've heard that. Uh, wasn't that an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie? No, not Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, Are you talking about Total Recall? No, well, <laughs> that is my favorite favorite Schwarzenegger film. 
No, it's it was a recent Netflix series, Altered Carbon. I think it was. Yeah, the, yeah, I, yeah. Okay, yeah, I do remember that now. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, the, okay. the, the guy from Suicide Squad. Yeah. So they don't have to. Uh, they don't have to treat you for being sick, but they can give you modifications. You know, they they can give you an avenue to change stuff about yourself. Um, maybe uh, maybe it's not even a physical attribute that you want to change. Maybe it's just an emotional or a mental one. Maybe they sell you the happy pills or the sad pills or the pills that keep you complacent, you know? Um, mm-hmm. It's a total fucking, maybe it's just a mod system instead of a pill system. Well, they could still be pills, I suppose. They definitely try and plan it with a cyberpunk. Uh, and it's more more of the same um, self-fulfilling prophecy or Star Trek with the space stores and the flip telecommunicators and shit like that. Not a successful video game, though, right? No, not as successful as uh, Beavis and Butthead for Sega Genesis and SNES. No, uh, I played that all the way through. That's good stuff. As a game? Well, that's kind of a bummer. My uh, Discord window is doing a thing I have not seen it do before, and it's just telling me fun facts, and I can't see the clips anymore. <laughs> Why yeah. is this? Yeah, well, because uh, your Discord sucks. What clip are we on? Uh, I think it was 36. Well, we just did Bill Gates' uh-huh. eco investment. No, we already played that. We're, we're on the next section because oh, that's when he was talking about his investment, right? Childhood so vaccine. On, uh, section 13, 37. Yeah. So you want to hear Childhood Vaccine Act. You, do you want me to play it? Yeah, let's go 18? for it. I can't get this to load. In 96, President Ronald Reagan signed the National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act granting total immunity to vaccine manufacturers. After a decade of lawsuits related to vaccine injuries and deaths, vaccine makers were going bankrupt. In a move to coerce policymakers, vaccine companies threatened to stop making vaccines until they could be legally shielded from liability. To this day, when someone is injured or killed as the result of an adverse reaction, it is the U.S. taxpayers that pay for the damages. What Wait, I so think they get, they got to pay for it and pay for the damages. Yeah, but I think what uh, the damages and now I could be wrong on this one. It's like, dang it, I heard something. I can't back it up, so it's true. Okay, um, but I think that uh, there's something about this COVID vaccine, the Pfizer M M M N R A. What is it? M R N A. I M R N A. Yes, um, to where. It's it's maxed out. You know, you have been able to sue in the past for other vaccine damages and and, and get awards of a lot of money, maybe in the millions or something. You know, but mm-hmm. you're not going to get any more than two hundred thousand. You know, say you know, grandma dies as a direct result of this vaccine. And it's, it's it's just the the vaccine side effects scientifically speaking that grant that 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 would affect her it's it's just the side effects it's not the vaccine no no of course not but if you if you take the vaccine and then win the lottery you should take lots of vaccines yeah (laughs) yeah um and didn't they stop the moderna vaccine in california i think it was the side effects merrick merrick one Merck? Was Merck. it the Merck one? Yeah. 
Might have been Merc. Okay. Well, Malachi, you're going to have to roll us out for the rest of these, if that's all right. Okay, man. You want to keep it going? We're on uh, 36. I wanted to say six. Oh, it's eight. Okay. Yeah, because right? The Gates Foundation. Where were we? I'm yep. That's, uh, that's the next one. Foundation. Gates Foundation causing harm. All right, here we go. The world's largest private philanthropy causing harm. The Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation has made millions of dollars each year from companies blamed for many of the same social and health problems the foundation seeks to address. The Gates Foundation has investments in 69 of the worst polluting 69. companies in the U.S. and Canada. Other companies in the foundation's portfolio have been accused of transgressions, including forcing thousands of people to lose their homes, supporting child labor, defrauding and neglecting patients in need of medical care. As a top donor to both the WHO and the CDC, no one man has more power than Bill Gates to influence and control the health and medical freedom of all people. Normalcy only returns when we've largely vaccinated the entire global population. Give us all your fucking money or you're all going to be wearing three layers of masks. No, 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 no. Give us all your money and then let us inject your child with some of our shit or they can't go to school. God, the thing that makes me furious is that is watching, you know, like you were saying earlier, Bill Gates kind of giggle with glee anytime he's ever asked a question about horrible results of anything. You know, it's like, Bill, the economy is just crashing right now, you know, and it's like, you know, it, what are we going to do about <laughs> <laughs> you know, I know. You know like, oh, yeah. That's the Billy Madison weasel laugh or Happy Gilmore weasel laugh. <laughs> I'm going to get that actor's name. <laughs> but you know what I'm, you, you, you see what I'm getting at. Man. It, this guy's almost, I don't know, he's pretty, you know, demonic or something. I don't know. Just the lizard people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, so here's, here's, here's one good point. So, you know, one of the vaccines that they were making in Australia, right. That had the, uh, uh, a little bit of HIV in it and, and some of the people were testing positive for it. So in, in that clip that they, that we just played, he says, it, it, whatever, until the whole world is vaccinated. So if you had a vaccine that was out there that had HIV in it and they didn't tell you about it, so I mean, because you didn't hear much about that in the media, and I've actually talked to a couple of my friends who are pharmacists. I'm like, dude, did you hear about the vaccine they did in Australia that had HIV in it? And they're just like, no, I never heard about that. And I'm like, oh, my God, what? You're a pharmacist, you haven't heard about it, not being disrespectful to them, but I'm like, how could that not have made it to your purview? And so there's two things about it. One, why is that not making its rounds on the media? And two, how does, how does that actually get into a vaccine and you not know about it? And, and three, one more point, like if you're walking up to get the vaccine, if you choose to do it and they say, Hey, by the way, this has HIV in it. Are you, are you sure you want to do it? What would people say? <laughs> that could take a while, guess. <laughs> exactly. That, that's, that's what I'm saying. But, but the the fact that you would start a vaccine off and say this is going to be part of the components of the vaccine, but don't worry about it because it's not a big deal. If you told that to people, most of them would be like, "I'm not taking that stuff." 
You might as well be you might as well be walking around with your dick in your hand saying, Hey, see this? It's got HIV in it. Would you like some? I mean it'd be a very similar reaction. <laughs> I mean a, but 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 like with his clip, he says the whole world has to be vaccinated. Hey man, that's great. If you're giving us free medicine and it's gonna save the world, that's wonderful. But if it has HIV in it, for example, that's a big deal. And I'm not trying to be disrespectful to anybody that's had to deal with HIV in the family or directly or whatever. But I'm just saying, if you walked up, like if you go to get a flu shot and they say, hey, man, are you allergic to eggs? You'll be like, well, yes or no. But if you walked in and they said, hey, this has HIV in it, you'd be like, oh, wait a minute. Hold on. I, I got to go. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. It just blows my mind, and so that that relates to what he's talking about when he's saying the whole the whole world has to be vaccinated, but that the the public has a right to know what is in the vaccines. And you would and, expect the people in the field, like the epidemiologists, to know about the vaccines like in Australia to have HIV in it, right? That's right. the whole thing. Yeah, and it's just like you know, okay, I'm in the live production industry and um you know well i've heard of the like the meyer constellation rig you know which is a new it's a it's a new sort of state-of-the-art sound um package that venues can have and i think it can even go on tours of course it costs millions of dollars but it it incorporates uh, speakers microphones processing um you know, algorithms and everything to like counsel sound waves and, and phase out sounds in venues and in areas. So you could be in like a, a hockey rink and have a symphony in there. And, and if everything's set up correctly, you could get the, um, uh, you know, the uh, reverb in the, of the room echo to down to the millisecond that you wanted it to be. Or you could expand it to be a bigger room, you know? Insane, crazy shit, you know? But I know about it. Do you know what the uh, the front of house guy said to his crew at the end of the night? What's that? Adios. <laughs> <laughs> yep. How do we get started? Are you talking about delays and, and canceling out those sound waves? How do we get started on that? Because it's like, because it's I'm in this field of research. I see. You can call it whatever. And I Internet. know about the state-of-the-art shit that's coming out. I would assume the new state-of-the-art vaccine coming out of uh, Australia, if I know about it, maybe not. Maybe or somebody they just, they the just don't tell anybody. They don't do these big, massive shows of it and, you know, put it in all of the trade magazines and they don't do the teleconferences. They're like, oh, well, we definitely fucked this one up. So let's uh, tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of more people in this line of work than there are or in the line of work of healthcare than there are. Oh yeah, live venue production. You can see that. Well, speaking of stuff that gets swept under the rug, uh, I'm looking at uh, cliff number thirty-eight. I knew that's what you were going to say. Two of our favorite players. Uh, so I think we'll just let this one speak for itself. This is mostly, mostly false. Mostly false. Uh, yeah, not it's um, 
Yeah. Missing context. Report from the New York Times sheds light on the connection between Microsoft founder Bill Gates and the late Jeffrey Epstein. You report these two men met at least six times. Well, I believe that there were more. This included visits to the mansion, seeing each other in Seattle, flying on Epstein's plane. When flight logs revealed that Gates had been a passenger on the Lolita Express, he claimed that he didn't know that the private jet belonged to Epstein. He also denied that he and Mr. Epstein were involved in any business deals. However, an expose by the New York Times revealed that not only did Bill Gates initiate a relationship with Jeffrey Epstein well after he was convicted of sex crimes, but the two were also involved in the process of co-founding a multi-billion dollar charitable fund. Why would they ever set up a charitable trust benefiting Jeffrey Epstein? That it was all about philanthropy. Well, speaking of philanthropy... Uh, Epstein wanted to seed the human race with his genetic makeup. He wanted to impregnate lots of people. <laughs> Hold on. I think one of the things that's important about this clip is, especially with the media media climate that we have today, I, I don't know if this was ABC, CBS, or NBC, but I think it was an NBC clip for that the audio that you saw. And, you know, that, that's kind of outside the narrative that's happened in 2020. But this was, you know, questioning why why did he have an involvement with Epstein? And it's a big deal, you know. But then they said, well, it just has to do with business dealings and philanthropy and blah, 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 whatever. But, I mean, you know, if, again, I'm not a Trump apologist. I'm just saying if Donald Trump was on the plane with him, I mean, that would be the end of the world. But if Bill Gates is on there, they're like, well, they were just trying to put together a fundraiser. So it's okay. And that... It just it doesn't fly with me. I think that's a huge deal. Well, the media is also in bed with um, Epstein, and they they are in a weird uh, area where they have to condemn it, but many of them took part in it, like Stephanopoulos and others. Hank, uh, right. uh, the guy that the actor Tom Hanks and Tom Hanky. But I'm thinking of the, the media, but uh, Kevin know, Spacey, like, yeah, Stephanopoulos, and others. You know, they, they, there's a lot of people that went to his party after he was let out of prison the first time for doing what he does or did, or maybe still does. Who knows? <laughs> I think that's part. Of, that's part of the problem when the elite influence too much about what the protocol is for everybody else, which is what you've had this past year with the lockdowns. The people at the top that don't have to deal with the lockdowns say you need to be locked down, and we're okay with it because we don't have to deal with it. Rules for thee, but not for me. Exactly. So, I mean, this is this is just another – this is a reflection of it because they see him being involved with Epstein. They're like, well, that's not a big deal for us. But if a common person was involved with that, that would be a big deal, and you go to jail. But if Bill Gates was doing it, he was trying to raise money for people to help him – live or do vaccines or whatever see i'm gonna argue on that one though i don't think it's necessarily common people i think it's common people that may have these sort of predilations and then they get co-opted and they're like hey you know you 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 have you have your you have your niche and we have the avenues and you can come play ball with us, but we're gonna we're gonna know all the shit on each other. 
So you want to make yeah. sure that you kind of stay within the lanes that we're guiding you down towards. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. we'll yeah. scratch our back. We'll scratch your back. We'll drink some adrenochrome. It's all going to be fucking gravy. Mm-hmm. After we go to Bohemian Grove, we're all good. That's a that's actually a line in uh, Denzel Washington's training day. He's like, in this game, you got to have a little dirt on you for anyone to trust you. Oh, yeah. I, yeah I that's, a, that's a good movie, too. Very good. Find an ISO of that. Uh, well, now that uh, we've examined the reflection, maybe we take a look at the reality. And, then, and uh, here we have clip 39, the COVID vaccine reality. Great hope galvanizing the world, a vaccine for COVID-19. But are we being sold a lie? After all, COVID-19 is the seventh coronavirus to strike mankind, and we've never found a vaccine for any of them. The shortest time anybody's ever found a vaccine against any disease that I'm familiar with is about seven years. The average time is 20. To be talking about a magic bullet coming in months, it borders on the absurd. People like myself and Tony Fauci are saying 18 months. A year to a year and a half. If everything went perfectly, we could do slightly better than that. But there will be a trade-off. We'll have less safety testing than we typically would have. And so governments will have to decide, you know, do they indemnify the companies and really say, let's let's go out with this? Hold on a second. I just thought of something that I've never thought of, of before. And it's probably because I'm drinking a lot. But um, <laughs> but what if, what if, you know, oh, yeah, we're going to get a fucking vaccine out. No problem. They got some shit. It, they, you know, they can shoot it in your arm. It can be saline solution for all we know. Jab it right in there. It's not bad enough to kill a bunch of motherfuckers, but enough to make us hundreds of trillions of dollars. I mean, that still sounds pretty abuse, uh, abusive. If they ever got caught. It's only caught. cheating if you get caught. Right. <laughs> exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. Who's going to catch them? You're only breaking the law if you get caught, right? I mean, they're all, all the leaders of the world you know, are in on it. You know, you have to shoot this in your arm. It could be nothing. It could. Well, I don't know. I, do I know? still, I still err on the side of a uh, nanoparticle, par- nanoparticulate chemotherapy. That sounds like the uh, yeah, whatever almost. Satan wants. And that's what I, I err on the side of Satan. 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 <laughs> yes. Uh, um. <laughs> Uh, so vaccines and money and, and everybody's got to get the jab. Uh, are y'all familiar with the Georgia Guidestones? No, it's a, it's a, a monument that's erected in Georgia and it perpetrates the agenda of the new world order that some mysterious donor, uh, paid for. Um, what, what part of Georgia is it in? Oh, you know, that's going to take a second to look up. So how about we just start with uh, clip 40 here? All right. 
people should know about COVID-19 vaccines is they fall today under the PrEP Act, which came into being after 9-11 and after an anthrax scare. And this law gives virtually blanket liability protection. It's basically impossible to get any kind of compensation if you're injured. So people need to understand that if you take COVID-19 vaccines, you are absolutely on your own. If you're permanently injured, if you lose your job, if your healthcare expenses go through the roof, tough luck. That indemnity, damn it. Damn. I wonder if anybody that ever didn't take the polio vaccine survived. Oh, man. And I mean, my my father had polio. I understand the benefits of the polio vaccine. I had the polio vaccine. But I just wonder if anybody that didn't take it survived. Is that the one that, that leaves the big divot in the arm? I think it's, so. It's I believe so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was the big divot, and then the mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. <clears throat> well, I'm having internet connectivity issues here, so if one of y'all can maybe pop up the uh, Georgia Guidestones, um, sure. It's under weird stories, right? No, that that's actually a different weird stone in Minnesota that we're going to talk about next episode. Of, Where is I it? I believe. Uh, just give it a quick old. So it's in Elbert County, Georgia. It's in Elberton, Georgia. Well, I think uh, l- let's leave it up to a um, of a Democratic vote. Do we want to end on the tenets of the Georgia Guidestones or play clip 31, uh, David Martin's closing statements? Because um, <laughs> something tells me that uh, uh, both articles here would wrap up everything quite nicely because this is not... It's not a game. <laughs> you know, these people have fucking planned for it. I'll just, just go out in there and say, well, we we're, this has been a two-part on pandemic, so let's wrap it up with Martin. Martin? Uh, that's me. Hell yeah. Uh, well, you know, that was it was more so to just sound grandiose, so, you know, dramatic, <laughs> dramatic flair for the show. Martin has to say though. I mean, because it's a good, it's a good thing because it's a positive uh, result of all the stuff that's happened. All right, uh, clip forty-one. This is not a time for us to go in a mob frenzy, find the perpetrators and haul them into the town square and pillory them. This is a moment for us to recognize that every decision that is being made today by any of the conspiring parties made perfect sense in each increment when each one of those decisions was made. The sum of those incremental steps has led to devastation because they lost touch with their fellow humanity. But that's an invitation for each one of us to examine how we're living and how not a single decision we make, not one, in any moment, is without consequence. This is our moment to reclaim our humanity. (laughs) Or not. Well, you know, we could have kept positive with it, but that's cool, I suppose. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I mean, the one one thing that he says there that is, is very important it, it even lends to when they say mostly faults and blah, 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 the, all this stuff we talk about Snopes. He says, 
you know, these guys in the vacuum, when they make these decisions, they're not bad. But when you put all this stuff together, you follow the tendrils and it can be something that, you know, put together is a negative thing. But when, when a movie like this comes out and it, it puts all these things onto, onto one table and says, here, take a look at all of this. Most people can look at that and they can say, this is really not good. And then it can, it, it can give everybody who sees something like this an opportunity to say, we need to fight back against some of this stuff because we're not being told the truth. And isn't it interesting that right, you know, that Davos, like from the very beginning, is coming out with this shit. It's trying to uh, propaganda. It's like, hey, I know it sounds like it's a bunch of super elite rulers of the world and tech and government trying to conquer the world, but it's not. It's all good, man. <laughs> we all just have to come together. This the whole capitalism thing ain't gonna work no more, okay? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, you're kind of building yeah, it I back mean, better. Yeah, oh. One eighty. Do you see my point there? I hope somebody. I hope I'm not just breaking <laughs> a lot tonight. And it's late. It is. Um, yeah. So I, I think um, I don't know. Do you guys want to hear the tenets, the uh, the Ten Commandments of the Georgia Guidestones? Um, I do because I've never heard it before. I'd love to hear it. Let's uh, let's see how much of this lines up between the WEF Davos and uh, pandemic. Number one, <laughs> maintain humanity under five hundred million in perpetual balance with nature. Number two, guide reproduction wisely, improving fitness and diversity. Number three, unite humanity with a living new language. Number four, rule passion, faith, tradition, and all things with tempered reason. Number five, protect people and nations with fair laws and just courts. Number six, let all nations rule internally, resolving external disputes in a world court. Number seven, avoid petty laws and useless officials. Number eight, balance personal rights with social duties. Number nine, prize truth, beauty, love-seeking harmony with the infinite. Number ten, be not a cancer on the earth. Leave room for nature. Leave room for nature. I think the Ten Commandments are better. <laughs> the Ten Commandments is don't steal ten times over. <laughs> It's like, don't take what's yours. That's and my bike. <laughs> that's my bike. <laughs> oh, no, that's my purse. <laughs> that's actually how Bill Burr phrases it, too. He's like, don't touch my wife. That's my bike. And <laughs> like, that's how he sums it up. Good way to sum it up. Well, <laughs> They, uh, the, the one thing that stands out the most about this for me is the first tenant, the maintain humanity under 500 million. And yeah, a lot I, of less people. I do, uh, I do subscribe to the idea that there could be a Trojan horse and maybe it's not this vaccine. You know, it's always, it's always turning that pot up a little hotter. So the frog just doesn't jump straight out. You got to cook it. And um, 
Maybe this one's just a trial run. Maybe this is the uh, maybe see, this is just the reaction it. stage. The saline solution. Let's see if we can get them to do it. <laughs> you want to meme it into existence? Is that what you're suggesting? Well, I mean, you know, if the vaccine didn't kill right or do right, it killed the wrong amount or not the right amount, they could get caught. I mean, this could, I think, you know, there's no way. I don't know. Whatever. Maybe the science is in and we're all wrong in our conspiracy mindset. I'm open to it. No. I don't have to be right about everything. Maybe Bill Gates is like, you know, cares about us and wants to give us, you know, food and wants to buy me a new amp. Man, one of the things that Mickey Mickey Willis talks about at the end of the movie is uh, he says he would like to think that Bill Gates is you know, has everybody's best interests at heart, you know, blah, blah, blah. He, he goes over that whole spiel. So he's not just trying to bury him. My only conclusion and takeaway from this whole film is, number one, why was it banned? Which exposes there's various people that don't want you to know things or focus on things that they don't want you to know about. And number two, there are so many points that are brought up in this movie that are true and that you should focus on and form your own opinion. You shouldn't form your opinion based on what other people are telling you to do. You should read this stuff, take a look at it, you know, analyze it and make your own opinion from it. But you should, you should know no matter what that the media is not telling you everything that you, that is true. And these fact checks and all that kind of stuff is just, you can't trust what is out there. Because this movie has proven that, and I mean, they've taken a very calculated step. I mean, and Mickey Willis talked about that from Pandemic One to this movie. He wanted to make sure everything is fact checked. It's out there on the internet, and you can draw your own conclusions from the facts that he's presented in the movie. But I mean, it's just it's it's an eye opener to understand that the narrative is being controlled by so many people behind the scenes, and that you need to get hip to that and not just believe what the media tells you. And, but in one, one final end, but form your own opinion from that, not just believe what people are telling you, but, you know, try to form your own opinion from it, but understand that the media may not be telling you everything that is actually true. So. Indubitably. Hey, there's the word. (laughs) (laughs) Um, well, I think, uh, I think that about, um, covers it for tonight um yeah man it was, we did it good three and a half good three and a half hours this is a good fucking two part uh, probably what uh close to six hours total that we mm-hmm. just tackled into this movie um it's been it's been a lot of fucking fun so yeah man once we get a big following we could start doing uh pfizer moderna ad clips in between <laughs> <laughs> Man, we should try to do that. And see if we could get canceled. All right. Well, All right. We, <laughs> we would get we would get canceled from the No Agenda stream. So 
You gotta right. really want those ads. I don't want to get canceled from there. I want to get canceled from like somewhere cooler. Oh. I do. I do have like a small goal in mind to like be able to make something, make this podcast a little bit like Fight Club, like anti-capitalism with Pepsi ads in between, <laughs> like subliminally. <laughs> <laughs> I uh we'll, we'll we'll talk about that. I, I've been chewing. Yeah, I, I think uh, <laughs> whew, we got some good shit coming up for uh, everybody out there, ladies and gentlemen. We sincerely city commercial tonight. Well, I think uh, we should find some sort of ISO out of there. Um, mm-hmm. But sincerely, thank you, Atlas Agent, for joining us tonight uh, and and yeah. taking us taking us through this fucking fucking uh, well true to life documentary thank you thank for having me you. yeah Alice, you did so much work yeah really good stuff man together it's just it was great yeah. it's so much fun thank you appreciate it had a good time thanks for having me hell yeah, yeah. well uh, uh let's come back again someday anytime yeah and i do think that this uh this model with the with the way the notes and the clips are laid out this is this is uh an ethic to pursue later into the future for sure. It's uh it's really good stuff. Yeah, way um, to fuck it up for me, man. Now I gotta do a lot more work. Yeah, you do. <laughs> well, on my drinking time. Um what else do we got? Oh yeah, follow us on fucking social sesame. And uh that's at behind the schemes SCH three and three S. You can go to our website. Behind the schemes, sch3m3s.com, or you can email us behind the schemes, sch3m3s at protonmail.com. <laughs> let us uh, let us know if you got any weird shit out of there. Do you guys do you guys want to do the proper send off? I Monty, we we do we're gonna start doing the uh, it's like where I am, my witty clip, and this is me. Signing off for tonight. Am I supposed to go first? No. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I uh, over the course of this episode, I also had to admit that I've gotten fairly drunk myself. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like sounds like one in the morning. Well, twelve midnight your time. But anyways, it is. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Straight from the mini apocalypse, where if behind the schemes give you a vaccine, it would make you really cool. This is Booberry. <laughs> Signing off. Yeah, down here. Later, y'all. Always oh, a pleasure to have y'all come back soon. <laughs> hey, everybody, y'all have a good night. <laughs>